0: Welcome in, everybody. Episode 75 of Fourscore, the podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Ray with you. We are recording this episode. It is a Wednesday night, September 29th. Episode will be released tomorrow, September 30th, a Thursday. And what a week it's been. Obviously, we got a show that's chock full of football, as is normally the case during football season. We'll spend most of our show recapping last week's games. We'll be previewing next week's games. We'll revisit our pick 'em segment uh, between Rob and I, keeping standings throughout the year. And we'll also touch on a little bit of baseball. It's where we'll start things off. And I think it's the most appropriate thing to do, uh, starting off with the New York Yankees. So, as we left it on last week's episode, um, Obviously, we had, we had moved on from the Mets and there's no more talking about them. They're mathematically eliminated. But the Yankees were right in the thick of things, but had a gauntlet of a schedule coming forth uh, down the stretch where they had three games against the Red Sox, three games against the Toronto Blue Jays, and three games against the Tampa Bay Rays. And we did say, luckily enough for the Yankees, that the Rays would have clinched their seeding and a division So the chances of facing any lockdown pitchers for a good portion of time in those games, it's not likely. So that's a little bit beneficial for the Yankees. But let me tell you something. They went out there in Boston this weekend at Fenway Park and they took care of business as well as you could have asked them to. I mean, obviously, the beneficial part was that you started off that series with Garrett Cole and you were able to get the win in that game. A decisive win. Uh, I believe the final score was 8-3 in that game. And then they have two humongous, humongous come from behind wins on Saturday and Sunday to complete the sweep and all on the hands of Giancarlo Stanton. And isn't it funny, Rob? And I'm not criticizing Yankee fans, because to be quite honest with you, if I was a Yankee fan, I would do the same thing. I mean, we saw Mets fans booing Javier Baez and booing Francisco Lindor when they didn't get off to hot starts and were coming up short, in big situations. And for the for the early portion of Giancarlo Stanton's Yankees tenure, you know, he was snake bitten by injuries. The New York adjustment was not treating him well. He got off to a slow start, wasn't getting any big hits. This year, Rob, you can make an argument that every single home run that that guy hits is not only a big home run, but is a deciding factor in a Yankees win. Every single time that guy comes up with a home run, it is a game-changing swing of the bat. And Stanton, who was once looked at as a guy who was going to be holding this front office back from building a championship contending team— now you fast forward to 2021 and he seems to be the team's saving grace and the only reason why they are in the situation that they're in cuz they've played pretty poor baseball for the past month or so and this guy just keeps coming up to plate the big hits big hits and keeps them afloat. Stanton might be might be, you know, if it's not for the fact that Vlad Jr is going for a triple crown and that Otani is doing things that no one in the sport has ever done, you'd be able to make the case that Giancarlo Stanton could be an MVP candidate in the American League.
1: Oh uh, yeah, but it's been a, you know, a hot three weeks for him, but you know what Andrew it doesn't matter to the Yankee fan. It matters now, but it comes down to a one-game playoff game, and Giancarlo Stanton goes 0-4 with three strikeouts. No one's going to remember what he did in these past three weeks. No one. And he's going to get booed and booed and booed, and you can hear the radio airwaves the next day with the Yankee fan. It's the same old Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, he did it in the regular season, but look what he did in this big game, in the wild-card game. He never could come through, blah, 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 blah. Look like you said he, he he's leading him to this one with this uh this wild card. So, but at the same time, it's not going to matter if he, if he if his first at bat in 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 the, in, in wild card game his base is bases loaded, two out, and he strikes out. You are going to hear the same story. So uh, you know what he's going to have to produce in the big spots, in the big moments of the biggest games on the biggest stage, playoffs. World Series maybe whatever I just don't see the Yankees advancing that far you know Coles had his ups and downs over the past couple of weeks and now Jamison Tyone left the uh left the game last night as he re-injured that that uh re-aggravated that ankle they said it's a little bit better than what they expected but you know you never know with an ankle you know it could take a couple of weeks for it to heal well Isega came back they they activated him they Thankfully got rid of Andrew Heaney. They optioned him because that guy horrendous. So look I, I, the Yankees, really, even if they happen to win that one wild card game, um, they could be in trouble in a, in a, in a three out of five, four out of seven type series. Because they just don't have that sort of pitching.
0: Well, I think the obviously y- you don't want to overlook teams and you don't want to pick who you play. Obviously, I mean we had no. this conversation with no, the Knicks, no, right? No. We were saying with the Knicks that no, the Hawks were probably the best matchup and the Hawks I was just. Completely wiped the floor with with the them. I was
1: hearing it today with the Mariners. I was hearing it. Oh, the Yankees need the Mariners to come across the country and play. Listen, just relax. and you know what? The Yankees don't have the twins to pick on this year. Because that's been perennially, that's been their, you know. That's been their punching bag as the Minnesota Twins. So be careful what you wish for. Just make it to that that wild card spot, win the game, and then take it from there. That's and, it. And we've forget about who and, you're playing.
0: We've said time and time again in the early portion of the season, you know, before football was in season. Uh, obviously, we spent a lot more time talking about baseball from a wider landscape, talking about the whole entire league and how many times t- again and again we said how poor the Cleveland Indians lineup was. Well, Garrett Cole went against the Cleveland Indians and they completely knocked them all around the ballpark. So just because you're facing Chris sale in a one game playoff does not mean it's a given that Chris sale is going to shut you down. Just because Garrett Cole is going against the Seattle Mariners and you're facing Chris Flexen or Marco Gonzalez does not mean that the Yankees are going to hit the ball all over the ballpark against that type of guy. Because be honest, the Yankees lineup who, bashes and bops their way to victory and have been doing so for the past three years, a little less so this season. But that's what this team has been built on, has been offense. And yet in the big spots in the postseason, they're not coming through with those big hits. So don't think just because you're going up against a Tyler Anderson or a Chris Flexen as opposed to a Chris Sale, that it's going to be an automatic victory. And I brought back the Knicks example, right? We were talking about how the Hawks were probably the most beneficial matchup for the Knicks in the playoffs. The Hawks completely wiped the floor with the Knicks. They didn't even belong on the same court as them. So be careful what you wish for at this point in the season. You're going to you took care of business against the Red Sox, which puts you in an advantageous position where now you completely control your own destiny. You don't have to scoreboard watch. You go out there and you win games. You will get in. It's not the best situation to be in. It'll come down to the one game playoff. But again, Rob, if you go into the one game playoff and you fall short and you lose, you're going to point to the eight game losing streak, you're going to point to only going 10 and nine or nine and 10 against the Baltimore Orioles this year, instead of going 17 and two, like the Tampa Bay Rays did. Those are the kinds of things that add up over the course of 162, 62 games. So that when it's all said and done, you're not in a situation where the whole entire season falls on the shoulders of one game in the beginning of October. And if they do fall short, it's on the onus is on the Yankees players and, and Yankees management, nobody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, but we'll see what happens here. What are you going to, you know, we don't know what the hell the future holds for the Yankees, but look, m- more than likely they'll probably make it into that wild card game. They're losing tonight as Coles getting knocked around early. They're down three, nothing, but with that Yankee lineup, I, I mean, look, you know, that Yankee lineup, like I said, Andrew, when they're hot, they're hot for a couple of weeks when they're cold, they're, they're cold for a few weeks. So they've, they've hit a hot spell over these last few games. And they got to hope that it carries over for them now because I tell you the truth, you know, you, you look at that lineup and you got to wonder, what if they face the Red Sox with Chris Sale on the mound? Are you playing Brett Gardner? Are you starting Brett Gardner in this lineup? Brett Gardner does not belong in this lineup. He plays day, Even if
0: you were facing Chris Flexen, I don't think that Brett Gardner he, should be in a lineup. He,
1: he plays day in and day out, Gardner. He does not, not belong in this lineup. Joey Gallo doesn't belong in this lineup. He, he really, really does not. He doesn't. It's amazing that the Yankees are doing this. You know, you, you look at the Yankees lineup and you see guys like Joey Gallo there and Brett Gardner there and uh, Higashioka there. You know, even when Sanchez is in the lineup, all right, Sanchez can give you some semblance of power, but that's about it. You know, so they got some – and, again, it, it goes what, I, what I've been saying. When they're hot, there's a couple of guys that are really hot. Stanton or, or Judge for the most part – to carry them. And and, and, and that's and, what it's
0: been with Stanton. And, I mean, you, you look at the Yankees right Dan. now. They're 90 and 67. And look at the Yankees so far this year. DJ LeMahieu is not having a good season at all.
1: Sub-pa, sub-pa. Aaron,
0: Aaron Judge is having a good a good season. Not what you hope out of Aaron Judge. Not a, a you no, know silver having, slugger type season, a, but he's having Judge a good season. Having a,
1: he's having a really good season. Gleyber Plus, Torres'
0: power after. is non-existent. Gio Rochelle has missed time with injury all year. Same thing with Luke Voigt. Gary Sanchez stinks just as he has the past couple yeah. seasons. You haven't had any mainstays in his starting rotation besides Garrett Cole, and he's had his ups and downs, as we said before. You're down Zach Britton. You're down Jonathan Lewizica. Chapman has been hit or miss all season. Like, look how many things have gone wrong for this team, and they're still in that kind of situation because they have these game-changing bats in their lineup where if they get hot at any given time, they could carry the team. So it, that becomes increasingly hard once you get into the playoffs and you're facing top-notch pitching every single night. And that has been the Achilles heel of this team. And that's why they haven't won a championship over the past couple of seasons. So no, you're kind of going absolutely. into the playoffs hoping for the same thing. Going in with the same the same roster, the same makeup, and hoping for a different result. I can understand why people are hopeful. I can understand why people are excited. Why wouldn't you be? You're in the playoffs. You're a Yankees fan. You expect to be in the playoffs. So you're going to root for the team. But I, I just don't see how there's a different ending here. Maybe they win the wild card game. Maybe they, maybe they win the ALDS, maybe they get to the championship series. Maybe knows, maybe, they,
1: maybe they don't make the playoffs. This isn't a given because you're not what? a given either. If, no. if they lose, they lose tonight with Cole on the mound. You're coming back tomorrow with the odds-on favorite for AL Cy Young and Robbie Ray going against Corey Kluber, who I would have to think the Jays could probably handle him. So you know you have to be careful with this. The Yankees lose tonight and they lose tomorrow night. You know it becomes a lot tighter now that race. So and, and you
0: we'll were see. you were given an incredible gift last night with Boston losing to the Orioles. Yeah. You can't bank on Boston losing any of these other games in this series. Oh, so all of a sudden, a, if the Yankees lose their next two, you know, you're you're the Boston is going to come out with a, on a mission and you're two games ahead of Boston in the Yankees at that first wild card spot. Toronto, I believe is a half game or they're a game and a half behind Boston. Seattle's a half game behind Boston. Do I have the standings, right? Uh,
1: the standings are right. Now you have, the Yankees have uh, two games up right now, and they're, they're two games up on on Boston right now, and they're they're three games up on the Blue Jays in the yeah uh, three games up. They're three games up. Yes, nobody has a game. Yeah, in so hand the Mariners are a half
0: game behind Boston. Toronto's a game behind and Boston. The Mariners and Oakland are, is pretty much yeah. on on life support. You don't got to worry about them. They dropped those, those well, first two games against right, Seattle.
1: Right, right. So don't. you know, it's basically it's basically going to be the Mariners, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays going for. Two spots here. And, and it's 3 Yankees- nothing
0: now. Springer just hit an RBI single.
1: Yeah, i seen that. And, you know, it looks like the Yankees are – I would have to think the Yankees would be solidified. They are playing the Rays at home. Um, look, the Rays aren't playing for anything. So you got to wonder how they're going to play this out, the Rays. Are they going to burn out their bullpen, burn out their pitching staff right now? Well, you saw last
0: I- night Michael Walker was carrying a no-hitter into the sixth inning, and they took him out. I mean, they're, they're not yeah. concerned with anything other than preserving these arms to go in a playoff run because they don't possess that starting right. pitcher, especially not having glass. Now in that rotation, they don't possess that pitcher. That's going to eat innings. So they're trying to preserve right now. So chances are the Yankees are not going to be seeing top-notch pitching for the entirety of that series. But again, it doesn't guarantee anything. It just, the Yankees need to, there's no excuse for the Yankees not to come out and perform and win these games. I mean, th- this, this, Nine game stretch to end the season is not preferred. It's obviously a tough road and a tough hill to climb. But you took care of the first three in Boston in Fenway Park, which is a good job by them. You took the first game against Toronto. I say, regardless of what happens in these next two games with Toronto, you take two out of three from Tampa. They're in. They're in.
1: Uh, well, you got to get to about you got to get to ninety three to guarantee yourself. Ninety two will probably get you in as well. Yes. They'll, they'll they'll get you in as well. Now wait, who does Toronto plays after this series? Toronto they got, goes. They have Baltimore, don't they? They got Baltimore, right? Yeah. Boston's got, Baltimore.
0: Boston's got Washington, and last Boston has
1: games. Washington. Yes. Yeah, so you know, look, I, would the, I? I think the Rays go balls to the wall against the Yankees. I'll be honest with you. You think so? Oh yeah, I do. I think they. I think they go balls to the wall. I think they would love nothing better than to knock out the big money. Evil Empire Yankees.
0: I don't think they care because, uh, listen, they've, helped, they, they, I think they've been they able care. to handle the Yankees. I think they actually look forward I to playing think, the Yankees in the first round.
1: I still think they care. I still think they care. I do. I still think they care.
0: I. He did, Kevin Cash didn't care enough about the World Series to leave Blake Snellen. So I don't know uh, if we will yeah, care enough just, against listen, the that's Yankees. That's a bad
1: managerial decision. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But still, I think they care enough to where they'll play it out. I really, really do.
0: All right, well, these I next do. five games are front of the Yankees. And I think
1: that I think the players will demand to play it out. I'll be honest with you. So what, I think the I think the race players will demand to play it out. What's the
0: minimum number of games that the Yankees need to win in these next five to guarantee themselves, you think? You think two and three well, they get let's, in?
1: Let's let's bank it. Let's bank it on let's bank it on on, on the Red Sox winning their next five games. That gets them to 93 because they're playing the Red Sox and the Nationals. Now, listen, I'm only going by the fact that the Red Sox, that the Nationals and the Orioles stink. I Although I, I understand they lost last night, the Red Sox. You never know what could happen. Toronto could w- easily win these two games. They could win tonight and tomorrow and then sweep the Orioles, and that's 93. Uh, that's, uh, that's 92. So the Yankees have to get at least 92 and maybe even guarantee themselves a playoff game just to get to the playoff game. You understand?
0: Right. right. To guarantee the one, a tie. Game 163, yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, I would have to say 92 at the very least will get you into a tie for well, a wild card spot.
0: 92 would be two out of these next five games they need to win. I think if one of those two wins is against Toronto, they're in good shape because that's a team that's chasing them.
1: Well, no, they, they have them. to win, they have to win one of these next two games, but if they lose tonight, tomorrow again, you have Robbie Ray going against Kluba. You know, that's a tough matchup.
0: And Seattle's got the Angels, and Joe Maddon announced that Otani is not pitching in that series. So, Seattle has the decisive edge in all three of those games against the Angels because who the hell are they putting on the mound the Angels? They got no well, pitching. They got nobody. Yeah,
1: that's that's a that's another you know, so you look at Seattle right now with five games left. It depends upon. Look, they're playing. They're playing the A's. So, you know, they still. what well, they got two more games left with the A's, and then three with the Angels. So, look, you, they could easily lose one of those two games against the A's. I don't think they're getting swept all three. T- tonight, but,
0: t- tonight's the tonight's the last game against the A's, and then they got three versus I, the Angels.
1: And then, okay, so
0: yeah, and they took the first two from the A's. They actually, kicked the A's ass in the first game, thirteen seven. to four.
1: Well they got five games left though, right? They got five games left, Seattle here. Oh no, I'm sorry, it's 158. My apology.
0: Yeah, four games.
1: Yep. Right. So they so they took them to first. I said swept. They took they should sweep the A's, I should say, and then come back, beat the Angels. If they happen to sweep the A's, they get one more win. That's 89 and 70. And then they get three against the Angels. That's what that's to 92 as well. Well, you, you also got to you you figure legit, it out. Let's go
0: by the way that the score is wait, right now. The Yankees le- are losing 3-0, so if you about count that. tonight as a loss.
1: Forget about that. You can legit have four teams at 92 wins.
0: Yeah, if if Oakland won last night, there was a possibility for five teams getting to that mark. There was a possibility right, up until not, last night that there was right, going to be but a five-way gonna, tie. That's
1: not going to happen, and Oakland pretty much is out of it now. They're done. Yeah, but if they could, lose tonight,
0: I believe they're, they are mathematically eliminated. You can legit tonight. have
1: a four-way tie there which would be unreal. Yeah. I would love to see that. That would be great. Yeah.
0: And from what I, what mean, I understand, I, the, the MLB does not have a, uh, a system in place to be able to account for a four-way tie. No. For a wild card.
1: Uh, who would who, have thought
0: of it? Yeah.
1: I mean, how do you how do you go about playing that? I, I don't know how. I mean, they're going to make it up on the fly.
0: I, I guess so. Someone's going to get shit of the shit into the stick. You can't make everyone happy when you come up with something, you know, in the heat I, I of the mean, moment.
1: <laughs> And you could also legitimately have four teams in the AL East going to the playoffs, which is unreal. I mean, that AL East, my God. Oof, that's yeah, something. So, division, man. So could
0: you imagine you got the Rays winning the division and then you got three other teams in a three-way tie for w- the wild card spots? Yeah. I mean, that's something else.
1: Yeah. No, that's something. That is, this is something gonna be, else.
0: This is going to be an exciting little race down the stretch here. Exciting little race down the stretch. And everyone, oh, yes. th- everyone thought that the Yankees had it locked up after that 13-game winning streak, but they fell into another rut, and now they have to play good down the schedule.
1: That's been the Yankees' entire season. Yeah, it's been the end of the whole year. They're hitting a hot spot. They can lose tonight. They can lose five in a row. They can legit lose five in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll happen, but they can legit lose five in a row with who they have to play because they always have trouble beating a raise. We know that. I mean, they're playing three of those games at Yankee Stadium. They get swept at Yankee Stadium, those three games. I I just want to be listening to the radio, WFAN, the next morning. With every Yankee fan in the world calling. That would be great. I'm sorry to say it. That would be great.
0: I know they have a two-game lead right now, but with with the teams that all the other teams in the race are are facing off against, you got Boston with the Nats, Toronto with the Orioles, Seattle with the Angels – you go 0-5. Oh, I don't think there's any way you hang on to that spot. They, I don't see any of these other teams losing a bunch of games in this final stretch here to afford you the possibility of losing out and still getting in. I I, I think you're right. Of what you said before, they have to win at least two. And two still doesn't guarantee anything.
1: You you gotta get to ninety, you got to get to ninety-two. Yeah. You got to get to ninety-two. If if they can if they can beat the Jays. One of these next two games, it almost kind of eliminates, not eliminates the Jays out of wild card, but uh, they clear, they probably clear the Jays. They would probably, they would clear them because then they would get to 91. The Jays would have 88 with one of these next two games. If they can win either tonight uh, and coming back from the three nothing deficit or beating Robbie Ray tomorrow. It would get the Yankees to 91. The Jays would have 88 wins. So yeah. it would basically clear the Yankees of the Jays pretty much. Yeah. I mean, unless the Yankees get swept by the Rays, I, I listen, could it happen? Of course. I don't see it happening. Could they lose two out of three? Yeah, they could lose two out of three. Now, what's the
0: matchup tomorrow? It's Robbie Ray against Kluber.
1: Kluber. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yikes. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like their chances in that one either. I don't
1: I, I, I don't either. But the one thing with the Yankees are you know what they, they could throw out a big right-handed lineup out there against Robbie Ray. Because I'll tell you the truth, Aaron Judge needs to go to center field. You do not play, you do not play Brett Gardner. You might even be sitting Rizzo in that game. I doubt it. But you have to get Luke Voigt's bat in that lineup. Have to yeah. you have to get his bat in that lineup. You gotta got to go with an all righty lineup there.
0: They got Cortez, who's been pretty damn good going in the first game of the Tampa series and undecided for Tampa. As it, I mean, all one sixty-two are basically undecided for them. They just figure out who the hell is pitching an hour before the game. It feels like uh, every single night.
1: I mean, where the hell does Nelson Cortez come from? Please, I mean, come on.
0: Uh, he's man, just a he's somewhere. a gimmicky little lefty. He does the the he changes his but, timing and stuff? Keeps guys off right. balance. He, he
1: does, but go those guys get caught up with her eventually. You know what I mean? It's not to me. It's not sustainable. It's just not.
0: No, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't try. If you're facing off, let's say you get to the ALCS against the Houston Astros, and he's throwing Game Three of the series for you. I don't like your chances in that game at all. I don't.
1: Well, now you got you got Cole going. You got Cole going tonight, right?
0: Yeah. Then you got four more games. He'd be lined up to be pitching the wild card game on regular rest. If
1: yeah, you got what if it. you what if you need him for that last game against Tampa? Oh, no, if what you if need you- him, then
0: you pitch him. Right. No questions well, asked.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. What if you What if you lose these next two games and lose the first two games to the Rays? You have to pitch Cole, obviously, in that third game against the Rays, which means now you're losing him for the wild card. Now who are you starting?
0: I think you probably go with um, – I'd say you probably – I think the best bet, to be honest, and I don't think this is too crazy, I think you go with Severino off the bat. You start the game with Severino uh, no, and then no, you move no, on to no, somebody else.
1: There's no way you're putting Severino in that position. You have
0: to. You have <laughs> you to. There's no other option. You
1: can't do it. He hasn't pitched enough. There's you, no possible way. You're using can't... him as an
0: opener. You're not using him as a starter. You're using him to go to first two innings of the game. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you go out there and he gives you any sort of length. But I like my chances starting off the game with Severino rather than Kluber or Cortez or Andrew Heaney, who was just optioned. I, I, I like Severino to go out there because at least Severino's got electric stuff. You're not asking for incredible length.
1: I, I just know there's no possible way you're starting Severino. I'm sorry. You can't. You, there's so no you, way. So who do you go with then? You gotta start a starter, guy that's been pitching a little bit. If Ty, if 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 Tyone is 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 okay, you might have to go with him. Because I don't see him pitching in the next few days. Because but when's the last gonna, time he's thrown? He just threw last night. He got pulled out.
0: Oh, he returned last night. I didn't even yes. see it. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Yes, and we aggravated the ankle injury. They said it wasn't as bad. But if he's healthy enough, you gotta either go with him or it sounds crazy, but Jordan Montgomery. I don't know where Domingo Herman is. Where the hell is he?
0: He stinks anyway.
1: I know. I, didn't I even, understand. I, didn't even think, I,
0: I completely forgot you about Montgomery. Throw, you
1: throw Severino to that, then you're going with an opener because you're throwing Severino two innings. I, I don't think he's going to be able to give you any sort of length whatsoever. I mean, he probably got about 50 or 60 pitches in him. Tops. Right,
0: but let's say, okay, Montgomery is the type of guy who is not going to give you incredible length either. No. So maybe you go – but he Severino might be able to give you first time through the order. And then you go Montgomery for the, for the third through the fifth or the fourth through the sixth, whatever I, the case honestly, may be.
1: I would save Severino sometime, some towards somewhere towards the middle, middle part of that. I don't think I would start him off. It's just too, you, you don't know what you're going to get out of Severino. The guy hasn't pitched in two years. He pitched you a couple of games in relief. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. I, I, you can't do that. I'd rather stick him in somewhere. In the middle part of a game, where the matchups will be in his favor,
0: but my, my my thinking in the matter is, although Severino hasn't pitched, and you don't know what you're going to get from them, these other guys have pitched all season, and you still don't know what you're going to get from them. So I would at least side with I, the guy I understand. Agree of being. I understand, a but they.
1: But they've thrown innings. They've been there the whole season. Severino has not pitched enough. He just has not pitched enough for the last two but, years.
0: And he also has the experience of going in the wild card game before for the Yankees. Yeah,
1: he does. But what kind of experience is that? Guy, wh- where does experience matter when when the guy hasn't pitched in two years? The guy's given you not even ten innings in the last two years. You can't do so it. So
0: let's just say okay, through the final five games of the season here, okay, including tonight. If Severino gives you three one inning relief appearances, does it change your mind a little bit about doing that? If he has three relief appearances no. in the final five games of the season, are you comfortable with him starting the game and going in an inning or two?
1: No, it does. It, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't.
0: So you're on the clock now.
1: Garrett Cole it, pitches it last game
0: of the season and you need a starting pitcher for the Yankees in a wild card game. Who is your guy? Gun to your head, you got to pick one.
1: And you're saying Severino. You you think it should be Severino.
0: I just I like Severino, yes. He, he's electric. He's going to be a guy that's pumped up for the moment. He's obviously been there and done that when it comes to pitching in the wildcard game. And if you're going to turn to a guy like Montgomery, that's a good change of pace. You get Severino to start the game off going one time through the order, 97-98, good changeup, good slider. And then you go with Jordan Montgomery, who's an Andy Pettit type, keeping bats off balance, that sinking fastball, that changeup. And then all of a sudden, if you use those two, you get through the sixth inning, and then all of a sudden you got your your main guys in the back end. You got your Wisigo, who's hopefully back. You got um, Chad Green. You got to roll this Chapman. You got Wandy Peralta, who's been a mainstay in this bullpen all year.
1: I, I can't do it with Severino. I, I tell you the truth, I probably would stop Montgomery before I started Severino. I would. I would.
0: And Severino's actually done it twice. He got roughed up against the Twins. And you remember Girardi pulled him in the first inning, his last year with the Yankees. He pulled him in the first inning against that game against the Twins. I think he served up that three-run home at the Polanco. And then Girardi maneuvered his way through the rest of the game with that bullpen. And then the next year, they faced the A's in the wild-card game, and Severino had pitched that game. And I remember talk radio buzzing because Severino was in an awful stretch leading up to the postseason – and people weren't necessarily confident in him going out and pitching that game. But, you know, the same could be said for Tanaka. He was he had a rough season, too. You didn't necessarily have confidence in him. But Severino went out there. He got the job done. I think he threw five innings, two-run ball. I mean, he did good. I mean, I watched him I, pitch in relief against the Red Sox. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, not seeing enough of him. I, I,
1: I can't. I haven't seen enough of him yet. I seeing him pitch haven't. against
0: the Red Sox just reminded me how, how, how electric of a pitcher he is. That That would be my decision.
1: I don't think that I would could be do me it.
0: managing with my gut.
1: I don't think I could do it.
0: So you go on Montgomery.
1: I would probably go Montgomery. Yeah. And then I would just save. I would save Severino for the right matchups. Bottom part of the order somewhere in the middle of the game. Fifth inning, sixth inning, whatever it may be. Maybe save him for that. I just, I just haven't seen enough of them. I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough. I, I, I couldn't do it. So now you're
0: going Montgomery. I would go Severino. Here's the million dollar question. What do you think Boone actually does? Unless
1: Tyone, unless Tyone, Jameson Tyone is healthy. If he's healthy and he could pitch, then I probably would go with him because I think he's the better pitcher, you know, better than Montgomery. It also depends upon who you're playing. You know, maybe you start the lefty because you're playing against a team that's stacked with lefties. Yeah, you know, you just got to go by the matchup too. I mean, you know, that's going to play a, you know, play. A, but you know, listen, we're, we're going hypothetical here, to be honest with you. Let's let's see what happens. All right, let's, so let's
0: let's get away from hypotheticals and let's know. actually talk about something that happened, and that is your two point play from last week, coming back to eviscerate your rear end. I told which you, you knew was going to happen.
1: And that's the Giants with
0: a, with a piss poor showing on Sunday at home against the Atlanta Falcons. No shaka! that they were three point favorites in and Rob went with them with some conviction as a fan. He was confident in doing so, even though he kind of knew it was going to come back to haunt them. But he had a feeling. Uh, I didn't disagree with the pick. I thought it was the right pick. Listen, I did the same thing with my favorite team. It came back to bite me in the ass as well. Well, listen, this is this is more of the same with the Giants. It, it, we're we're kind of going to be uttering the same kind of sentiment we've been talking about for the first two weeks of the season. Um, you had a situation where the offense could not get anything going when it mattered the most. So you look at Daniel Jones' statistics. He has a high completion percentage. His quarterback rating was decent, but that was in between the 20-yard lines. So we were having this conversation off the air. Our buddy Tommy Locker was saying more of the same. Looks good in between the 20s. They get into the red zone. They stall. And I sent you guys a statistic that I saw on Twitter before. And Daniel Jones's last 50 red zone trips, he's got five touchdown passes, 44% touchdown conversion percentage. So there is some rushing touchdowns along the way, but five touchdown passes in his last 50 attempts, that's putrid. That's putrid. Yes, he's eliminated the turnovers, right? He, he's gotten better at holding on to the football. He had that god-awful fumble in week one. We talked about it on the podcast, but for the most part, in the second half of last season and the first three games of this season, he has not been turning the ball over as much. The turnover bug does not seem like a glaring issue like it once did. But at a certain point, It can't just be about the turnovers. He's got to be able to make a game-changing play when it matters. He made a couple of them in the Washington game. He had that big touchdown pass down the sidelines in the second quarter. It was a beauty of a deep ball in the left corner in the end zone for a touchdown. He also laid a good ball down the seam to Darius Slayton, who who obviously dropped the ball, and that was a big deciding factor in that game. But there's just not enough of it. He doesn't make the game-changing play or the game-changing throw consistently enough to give giant fans hope that he's the guy and the offensive coordinator is not doing him any favors. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, obviously I'm locked into the Steelers game. So I didn't watch every down of the giant game, but I'm watching the highlights afterwards. And I see back to back plays. I don't know if it was, I think it was early second quarter when Shepard leaves the game with a hamstring injury. Um, and obviously Blake Martinez goes down with the knee injury. And that was a big blow too, to the morale of the team. And you bring your first round draft pick, Cardarius Tony, into the game. And on back-to-back plays, he shows you what he could do with the ball in his hands. He has a nice little, I think they ran a little bit of a gadget play with him. And then he had another nice catch, an eight-yard gain, jukes a couple defenders, gets the first down. I don't know if the guy saw another snap after that. I mean, so I don't know what goes into the offensive game planning. And it goes back to more of the saying that we've been saying with Jason Garrett. Is Jason Garrett a smart football guy? Sure he is. He's a former head coach of the year. He obviously knows what he's doing to a certain extent, but there's a difference between understanding the game and understanding how to utilize your guys properly and how to get the most out of them. And it just doesn't seem like he's utilizing these players' skill set. And I think Daniel Jones's development is being hindered because of it, because there's only so much the kid can do on his own. He has looked better, not consistently enough. And part of it has to do with the vanilla playbook and not being able to utilize the skill set that he has or, or the skill positions that he has on offense with Galladay and Tony, a guy you just took a first round pick on and Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. And obviously injuries have had a lot to do with that too. But I mean, the offense is just not anywhere near where you would want it to be at this point in the season. And that's probably the main reason why the giants are 0-3 right now.
1: He should have been fired on Monday morning, Garrett. And I'm not solely blaming this on him. I'm not, but it's the same issues that Dallas has with him. He never got the best out of some of the, the better offensive players. He just didn't. He, he wasn't adapting to what what today today's offense is. I mean, if we're
0: being completely honest here, Rob, right? We were talking, I think when we first started this podcast, we were actually talking about whether or not we were sold on Dak Prescott being a $40 million quarterback. And once Jason Garrett left, and once the offensive playbook changed, Dak took his game to a whole nother level. I mean, do I consider Dak Prescott an elite quarterback? I don't say that. I'd say he's a tier below elite. Wow, a very look, good quarterback. Look, you and you know you what you're going to get from him.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you can't really say that too much because they did bring in Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. You know, they did bring in those two guys. Those two guys are studs. So, you know, you bring those two guys in, your offense changes dynamically. For sure. Dynamically. I mean, look, those are two big-time receivers there. So, you know, you, you can't just say that Prescott uh, all of a sudden found his game and Jason Garrett left. Prescott found his game because now all of a sudden, besides, well, look, their offensive line hadn't played well last year, had a lot of injuries, but so far they've equipped themselves well this, this season, but you know, you bring in Amari Cooper and you bring in CeeDee Lamb, your whole offense, the dynamic changes with those guys. It changes to go along with Ezekiel Elliott and Gallup, who's been injured, who had a big first week, but then injured the ankle. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. So that, that helps. Listen, that helps a hell of a lot. So look, but you know you get back to the giants though there's a lot of issues there and look one of the big issues is daniel jones has he played better this year yes he has a little bit better has he eliminated some of the turnovers yes he has but he still finds to make the mistake in the wrong spots the other day they had a beautiful drive going what happens first and 10 they're going in for they're in the red zone snap a beautiful snap goes right through his hands, loses 11 yards, kills the drive. I mean, it's just little things like that that happened to him. You know, it, it's just little things. A tip pass at the line. Just little things. Missing a, an open receiver. Little things happen in the course of a game in big moments where you need a big drive, especially in the fourth quarter when they got the ball back with four minutes left. They went nowhere. And you knew they were going nowhere. So what was the difference? I mean, he just... He just can't make those big plays that you, you, you want your quarterback to make. It's absent. It's just absent. And again, I go back to Barkley, and I get that he's not healthy. I get it. that he. I'm sorry, it's not, not that he's not healthy, that he's coming back and he's just getting healthy now, whatever. But it's the same issues with Barkley. For God's sake, if you heard the audio of Carl Banks, Carl Banks was imploring Barkley to follow his blockers on a couple of occasions. A couple of times, there's a hole there, and what does he do? He backs out of the hole, dances behind the line of scrimmage, tries to get to the outside, and loses two yards. Screen pass. Two guys in front of him. He had two blockers in front of him. Doesn't follow his blocks. What does he do? He cuts into the defender. Uh, You know, these are issues that I've been talking about with Barkley for weeks. This is why I'm not the biggest Barkley fan. I, I, you look, he, he's got to
0: understand, Rob. There are no, and this is just a fact. There is no running play in the playbook that is designed to get you a 60 yard gain.
1: No, it's they're gotta, all designed to get you four. or. But five. Andrew, it's embedded in this kid's mind. It's his mentality. And you're never going to change it with this kid. Yep. It's never going to change. He's going to be who he is. He's going to you. Listen, if somebody told me today. I'll trade you Kareem Hunt for Barkley. I would drive Barkley to Cleveland because that's my kind of a running back.
0: I, I would drive Barkley with you. to
1: Cleveland. I, I would drive disagree. him there. Drive him there. Guys like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I mean, look, Barkley's just not that guy. He is not that guy. And I don't care how much of an all-world talent he is. I don't care about the talent. I don't care about that. I care about getting yardage. I want my running back to get those four yards. When there's nothing there, just get the four yards. I, it's the same thing with this guy. Yeah, when he hits a hole and he's cleared and, and he gets to the secondary, he gets to the second, second level, it's wonderful. But it's not always going to happen that way. And I'm telling you right now, they're better off without this guy on their team. I'm not saying you bring back Wayne Goldman. They're better off just bringing in another drafting another running back. They're just better off at this point. Look, well, you, you know what? I, 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 I'm not signing. Look, I'm not signing this guy to no sort of extension. No, I wouldn't there's either. No, there's no way I wouldn't there, either. So it you're, pay. You're keeping him until then. But I tell you the truth, he's on the trading block as far as I'm concerned. And I'll be honest with you, you're not going to have teams lined up for that guy. No. You're not getting the value you think of what you might think you might can, you can get for Saquon Barkley. You're just not. No, you see, not. The, the
0: cult. The Colts right now are dangling Marlon Mack on the trading block. I guarantee you that he probably has more suitors than Saquon Barkley would because uh, I, of the listen, style of running back that they uh, are. Right. It's just that, you know, and I and I kind of compare this situation. It's it, it's apples and oranges, and that's kind of the point that I'm getting to is me and my father have been talking for years about Ben Roethlisberger and how much he drives us crazy because – in his prime, you know, Ben is always known for not being the easiest guy to take down and for extending plays. And every single time he rolls out of the pocket and he holds onto the ball too long and he's pump faking and he's pump faking and he's pump faking, and he's pump faking. And you're like, Ben, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And then he completes a nice 15-yard pass and you're like, oh, geez, okay, he got he got it done. But every so often he throws an interception and you say, you know what? You take the good with the bad because for every 10 times he does it, nine times it's a 15-yard completion, the 10th time it's a pick. I'll take the nine good times for the one bad time with Barkley. It's the same thing, but you're getting the opposite result for every 30 times. He dances around instead of just hitting a hole and getting three, four yards. He'll bust open a 40 yard, 50 yard run. But do you take the good with the bad in that instance? No, because more often than not, all you need is the three yards. All you need is him to move the chains, and you don't get it often enough to accept that style of running, and it doesn't help the team. And there's no you, you doubt in my mind that if you had a guy that can consistently get four or five yards on the ground every single carry, it would take immense pressure off Daniel Jones,
1: and he'd probably look better than he's looking right now. You, you know who Barkley would be perfect for? Who do you think Barkley would be perfect for? Which team?
0: A team that he'd be perfect for? Yeah. I mean, because
1: I, not, they know how to get their, their running backs open in space.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I was going to say like Dallas a couple years ago when they had no, the peak offensive no, line. No,
1: no, no, The New England Patriots. Josh McDaniel knew how to use, utilize Shane Varine, Deion Lewis, James White, guys like that. For some reason why the Giants cannot utilize Barkley to his strengths. I don't remember the last time I seen Barkley run a wheel route. I mean, they made it a habit with James White. Everybody knows when James White in the game is in the game, when Shane Vereen was in the game, when Deion Lewis was in the game, it was third down. They needed that pass. They needed it was third and eight. They knew exactly what they were running, and they still could not stop it. They still could not stop it. Josh McDaniel sets those guys up perfectly. And I'm not comparing. Listen, Barkley has more talent than those guys. But those guys, for what they had to do for New England, did it masterfully. Yeah. Kevin Falk. I mean, Kevin Falk, yes. Guys, yeah. Barkley would be perfect on that team. Absolutely perfect. I'm telling you right now. Believe me. Believe me. New England would probably take that guy in a heartbeat and they utilize him to (laughs) his strengths. Because he's not an in-between tackle runner. He's just not. He's not. So you got to utilize him the right way. And the Giants still haven't figured out a way to do it. I'm well, sorry the, they just the, haven't.
0: The part about the beginning of this season that's so damning is that I predicted that the Giants very easily could be going into their week 10 bye with a 2 and 7 record and the two wins that I was giving them, one of them was against the Falcons who they already lost to, and the other one was to the Las Vegas Raiders who were 3 and 0 and playing really good football. So you'd have to think that the that the Raiders are immense favorites in that game against the Giants if things continue to go the way that they're going right now. So, I mean, seriously, is there any games on the Giants' schedule from now until the Week 10 bye week that you look at and say the Giants should win that game? They got New Orleans, Dallas, the Rams, the Panthers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. No,
1: no, no. Why should there be? They're not good enough. This team is devoid of talent. You could see it. There's not a lot of talent on this team. There's just not. The defense has gone backwards leonard williams has been a no-show signed the big contract the guy's a no-show now he's a no-show you know you haven't seen him haven't heard a peep out of leonard williams jabril peppers isn't even playing that much they're actually talking about moving him up to linebacker because blake martinez is now out for the year they've got tay crowder taking a blake martinez's spot So Jabril Peppers might actually be moved up to a linebacking position at 215 pounds. I mean, listen, he plays like that anyway for the most part, but look, I I don't know, but this team's in trouble. And I told you from the get-go, it's a five- or six-win team. I I knew that. I mean, people were overrating the, the Giants drastically, overrating them. And now I'm telling you something right now, Andrew. They better get Kadarius Toney in this game on Sunday. I'm telling you right now. There'd be it'd be inexcusable because Sterling Shepard looks like he's not going to be playing with the hamstring injury. Probably be out a couple of weeks. Same thing with Darius Slayton. Gonna be out a couple of weeks. So there's no excuse for Tony not to be in this in, into this in, incorporated into this offense here. There's zero excuses. Absolutely zero. You drafted this kid number one overall. Uh number one overall with no, your number one pick. You made the trade to move back. Great, you got the future pick, Looks looks like it's going to be a gem because the Bears suck. They're just as bad, if not worse, than the Giants. So utilize the guy, please, for God's sake.
0: I mean, there's no reason why, you know, when Shepard or, or Slayton goes down, now all of a sudden you got Colin Johnson getting seven targets. Who the hell is that? You just drafted Tony in the first round. Why is he not incorporated into the offense? Listen, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because obviously he wasn't part of the game plan, so it was tough adjusting on the fly. But you're right, going into this weekend's game, You have to make a concerted effort to make him part of the game plan. And if he's still not part of the game plan, it's probably an indictment on the kid not being able to get ready. But it's even more of an indictment on the coaching staff and the front office that they've basically wasted another top pick. Andrew Thomas looks pretty good after a really rough preseason. But the jury's still out on Daniel Jones. And and obviously the Barkley pick was not a good one. I mean, it, it, you just rewrite the same story with a different name when it comes to these premium draft picks, these first-round draft picks, if Tony is a no-show again on Sunday and just is not incorporated into this offense. And listen, I understand making the trade with the Chicago Bears to stockpile the draft capital, but it does not excuse taking Tony with that selection. You could have taken other guys. You could have taken the offensive line help. You could have taken a guy like Liam Eichenberg in that selection to try to solidify the front the front five. But they didn't. They went with Tony because they liked his skill set. Well, what about his skill set that you like so much because you have not used it at all? And you actually finally used it for two consecutive plays, back-to-back plays. The kid got the ball in his hands and he didn't do anything jaw-dropping. But at least you you, you see the plays and you're like, okay, now you know what the kid's strength is. Get him the ball in open space. And then they didn't do it from that point on. They didn't
1: do it. No, they didn't do it. And uh, listen, Again, it'll be inexcusable if they don't use this kid this weekend. Inexcusable. And I'm sorry if they don't somehow put up some sort of points. And I could see them struggling. Saints still have a good defense. Saints still have a good defense here. They're they're going to New Orleans. They got to play there this week. I I, I can see the Giants struggling again. There's no imagination on the offense. There's zero imagination. I can predict the the, the plays from my couch. I mean, you you know, you, you could see what's being set up to be run. It's all vanilla.
0: Well, you are a pretty Uh, bright guy. It's hard to get things
1: past uh, you. That's why they call me Sonny. (laughs) But, you know, it, it just... I'm sorry. It just... It's inexcusable if they don't use this kid. He's a weapon. Use him, for God's sake. Just use him.
0: Well, you know, over the past four seasons, the only team that has a record just as bad as the New York Giants...
1: Is the Jets.
0: Is the New York Jets. And the Jets put another terrible performance on Sunday. I mean, listen... There's not really a ton to be said about the Jets. It's just it's so well, there far. Is a ton.
1: There is a ton to be said because let me tell you something. The, the It was an egregious, egregious mistake by Joe Douglas to this organization not to have a veteran quarterback back up Zach Wilson because they're going to get that kid freaking killed. They're going to get that kid killed. They should have had a veteran quarterback in here to back up that kid now, to who, play. Who's the backup? Mike White? Uh, come on. There is no backup. There is no backup. That's the bottom line. There's no backup. They should have brought a, a guy in here to protect that kid. You know your team's going to suck. The Jets might, might not win a game themselves. And you, you're missing your best offensive lineman and Mekhi Becton, and your offensive line wasn't that good even with him on it. You got no running game, and you have really no receivers. Corey Davis. There's nothing out there.
0: Well, I'll, I'll say this about having that veteran quarterback presence: not, not. It's not like it actually translated to a ton of success on the field with Sam Darnold because we knew he fell short, but the coaching Andrew, staff not, didn't do him any favors. It's not a matter of
1: success; it's a matter no, of no. I understand that now not having point. it's a matter of this kid not having to take the hits. Well, that that
0: that's that's it. the point. I'm that's the save, point I'm getting to is because with, with Sam Darnold, he had Josh McCown, and like I said, it didn't it didn't necessarily translate to success. But I don't think at any point. It's
1: not a matter of success. It's I know, and I'm, I'm
0: getting to that. I know, yeah. I'm saying it's it, a matter it of keeping
1: it, his kid healthy.
0: It, there was there was no point when Josh McCown was behind Donald. Did did it look like Donald was in over his head? I mean, yeah, he made a couple of 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 really bonehead mistakes, and he didn't move the ball down the field. He wasn't able to execute at his best, but at least he didn't go in there looking like a high schooler playing against NFL guys. He had a shoulder to lean on. He had someone that he could talk to to discuss what he was seeing and alleviate some of the growing pains with being a first round pick as a quarterback. Zach Wilson doesn't have that. And right now, I mean, I saw Zach Wilson, I saw Zach Wilson walking off that field on Sunday. He looked like he wanted no part of playing.
1: he, He had it, but unfortunately the, the untimely death of Greg Knapp, his quarterback coach, who really probably would have helped him immensely. You know, you, you can't fault that. But as soon as that happened, I would have been on the phone with any team out there to get a veteran quarterback in here to help that kid out, to help that kid out, whether it be Josh Johnson or Nick Foles or whoever the hell it was, I would have had somebody in here. I don't care the price you had to pay. And obviously it wouldn't be a big price. I don't care. But what you had to do was to get a veteran quarterback in here to help that kid, not even just to help him, just to have a voice, but just to, to at least eliminate the hits that he's taken. I mean, listen, he... You want him to start the game? Fine. But in that Denver game, that kid should have been taken out of that game, the New England game. I mean, this kid's getting destroyed. He's getting killed. I mean, how much more? You how many more hits you want this kid to take throughout the season? He's not going to last. Until he takes a hit and it's a season-ending injury and it's a knee injury, an arm injury or something, when are you going to be satisfied? When is it going to satisfy the Jets to get a guy in here?
0: Well, I don't even think it's. I don't even think the injury is the concern. I think the, the, the concern to me is how many times does a guy have to get battered before he's like broken beyond repair? When it comes it to mentally,
1: makes no sense dissecting Andrew. the game. It makes no sense. Makes zero sense. I don't understand what the freak this organization's doing. They're just as inept as the Giant organization right now, and both teams have been inept for the last few years.
0: But you know what? It's funny to me because, because Gettleman is, is on the chopping block and gets a lot of criticism, but I feel like Joe Douglas just has a band well, full he's of gotta apologists. Take, listen,
1: he's got he's to take some hits. I mean, I understand Joe 100%. Douglas is new year, but let me tell you something. His drafts have not been that great at all. And I'm not saying anything about Zach Wilson right now because you can't. You've got to give that kid, you know, two, three years. He's got nothing around him. I get it. But what the hell is Joe Douglas brought in? Denzel Mims was the second round pick. The guy can't even get on the field. He's an active. I mean, the jury's out That's of Makai Becton right now. He's been he's been OK when he's played, but the kid's been injured. He's overweight. He's been injured. So the jury's out on that pick as well. He hasn't brought in anything major in free agency, hasn't spent any sort of money. The Jets have had plenty of salary cap room. What has he brought in? They don't have a tight end. They really don't have a run. Who the hell is their running back? Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, uh, uh, Michael Perrine. I, who's that? W- where is the consistency? Where's Elijah Moore? I mean, where are these guys? Where are they? Where's the offensive line supposed to be building? Where's that? No,
0: All we see is, is uh 12 targets a game to Braxton Berrios. That's, that's the Jets game plan. That's
1: what we that's see. That's it. That's it. That's it. So I, I look, you know, the Jets and Giants are going to have some major decisions to make at the end of this season because, I, I mean, listen, I don't see the Jets winning more than two games. If that, if that, I don't see the Giants, and I said it, five to six wins at, at best, and that's reaching, that's stretching right now. And now the Giants have even more major decisions than the Jets because you know you got to give Zach Wilson a chance in the next two, three years. But if you're still in this whole purgatory thing with your quarterback with Daniel Jones where he's good but he's just not good enough you got a problem then go get the Sean Watson if that's the case if all things work out then go make a deal for him do what you got to do but I'm telling you right now you just got a fire Gettleman at that point and at this point I tell you right now and I, listen I'm a I was a Joe Judge guy I, you know I, I, I like the guy coming in I thought he did a good job last year considering all the factors that weighed against him, but so far his first three games this season, he has not impressed me whatsoever. No. Because the same thing that Joe that uh, Joe Judge preaches is the same mistakes the Giants make game in and game out: penalties, fundamental mistakes, bad clock management, poor uh, poor poor choices with his challenges. You know, undisciplined team, high, highly penalized. So all this discipline you're running in training camps is not translating to the field. There's an issue. There's an issue. So you bring in a a new general manager, he might want to bring in his own coach. And let me tell you something. John Madder better stay the fuck out of it because his way of thinking in the Stone Age where he still has Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble running his team, you cannot do that anymore. Those days are over, man. They're over. Done and over. So if you need a guy, you know, we, we discussed it today on text. Tommy was saying it. You know, you were saying it, Matt Rule was the guy, but the Giants were not going to give their head coach full authority on, on player personnel as well because, as they, you know, they got to have, you know, it's got to be all in line, president, general manager, you know, assistant general manager, then the head coach. No, if you have the right guy and he wants to have say in personnel, then for all means, you bring him in if he's the right guy. I don't care what price you got to pay. I don't care what sort of control you have to give him. So, you're gonna have another losing season here. Gentlemen's gotta go. Next day, gone. That's it, gone. And whatever general manager you bring in, he better be a little bit more, a little bit more modern, I should say. Yeah, to this day and age.
0: I mean, there's a lot of. That. I think John Mara is probably focused on the same thing that I think Kevin Colbert's fo- focused on with the Steelers. They're, they're they're more focused on upholding the the organizational way instead of adapting and addressing what needs to be addressed. And I think that's the thing. I, I think John Marrow is too focused on upholding that giant's image, which is hard nose, disciplined, blue collar, and that's all well and good. And if you want to build a culture, it's fine. But if it's not translating onto the field, something needs to be done. Changes need to be made. And I think that, that therein is where the issue lies. And I got to tell you something right now. I mean, last year was about progress, and we saw progress. And that's why, although the Giants were 6-10, and 10, you felt good about it, and there was a silver lining in everything. This year, they take five steps backwards. I said I didn't envision a, a scenario in which Joe Judge would be gone. If the first three games of this season is any indication of how the, 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 the next 14 games are going to go, I don't know if I foresee a scenario in which he does come back. Hmm. Because you have to figure if things keep going the way that they're going, Gettleman is, I mean, Jesus, you might as well take away his key card today because he is not coming back.
1: There's no way. Like you, you said,
0: have- if someone else is running the ship, are they on board with Judge coming back? It's not their selection. Joe Judge could be the, the best thing since sliced bread. A lot of these guys who are running football operations, baseball operations, basketball operations, a lot of it is an ego trip with these guys, too. He's not my guy. He may very well be a good coach, but he is not my guy. I didn't choose him. And that could lead to him being let out the door.
1: Hmm. It's going to be interesting, man. I tell you. It really, really is. It is. But. I, he, he's, I, listen, Gettleman's gone. As far as I'm concerned, he's gone because I'm not expecting the Giants to do much. He's gone. He's gone. Uh, It just, you look at this team on the field and you're saying, okay, where is, where's the talent that's been drafted here? I mean, Matt Pert was drafted last year. That guy, as bad as the offensive line could be, he he can't even get on the field. He can't get on the field. I mean, how is it that he can't get on the field with this guy? All the injuries that they've had, and, they, and they, today they brought in Isaiah Wilson, who was cut by, by, by the Titans, who was cut by Miami, who's got some personal issues, might have been some drug thing involvement or something going on, that they brought him in now today. Besides Billy Price and, and Brederson and, you know, it, it's just an indictment on what Gettleman has done in these drafts. For a guy that's preached hog mollies, hog mollies, hog mollies, where the fuck are the hog models? Thank God Andrew Thomas has played well. But where's the rest of his offensive line? I understand Nick Gates got hurt. I get it. But it's an indictment on him that he's got to bring in all these bottom-of-the-barrel guys. All guys are going to get cut released that aren't good enough to make teams that are better than the Giants. And he's bringing these guys in. And you're drafting Kadarius Toney. What's your first round pick in this, last, in this last draft? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So I don't know, Andrew. And I this mean, is a look.
0: deciding year in his tenure, and it's off to a horrific start.
1: Look, he's the type of guy that thinks he's the smartest fucking guy in the room, and he's not. He's not. Because the smartest guy, you, in a room, the guy in the room
0: syndrome works when you are the smartest guy in the room. He is right. not.
1: unless Unless you're adapting to today's game, the way he's being played and those sorts of players, your hog hogmolly thing of what you've seen in yesteryear doesn't work. Doesn't work. Look what got to look what got to the Super Bowl last year. It wasn't all these hogma. Mo- yeah, they had a good offensive. But let me tell you something. At the same time, guys like Tom Brady, and uh, uh, you know, they make their offensive line look even better than what they are. And Tampa has a good offensive line. I'm not saying that they're not. But your quarterback also makes your offensive line that much better. It elevates them to a whole nother level. But at the same time, look what Brady was doing—slinging the ball all over the place, mixing in the run. Godwin, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Gronkowski, Cameron Breit, O.J. Howard. Listen, bring in there's in Antonio, no, there's no, there's no concerns. Brown. There's but no concerns look,
0: about Green Bay's offensive you, line, and they no, lost Bakhtiari you, and Bulaga and Winsley.
1: Right, right, and because Aaron Rodgers makes them look that much better. right? Get rid of the ball. Jones holds the ball too long. Now, Bruce was saying today on text, well, these guys, they don't get separation. They don't get open. Maybe they are getting open, and he's not hitting them on the break right away. Instead, he's making them run into coverage already. You know, Daniel Jones, and Tommy said it, I'll say it a million times, and he's right. This game, when it speeds up, Daniel Jones is not matching that speed. He's not. He's not. And that's where the mistakes come into play in big spots because there's hesitation. He who hesitates is lost. It's an old cliche. We all know it. So well,
0: when, when you watch, yeah, obviously you don't see this on the TV broadcast with the default camera angle, but when you're watching film or when they show the the replay from behind the quarterback and behind the line of scrimmage, it's unless the defense is playing a soft zone similar to what Patrick Graham was doing in in the second game against Washington. Unless the defense is playing an incredibly soft zone. Most of the time when the quarterback releases the ball, guys are not open yet. A lot of times the quarterback is throwing them open or throwing it to a spot where they're supposed to be. That's
1: what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to throw to a spot. You're not throwing to where the receiver is at that time. You're throwing to the spot where he's supposed to be. It's a timing thing. And it seems to me that Jones does not have that ability to do that. He doesn't because there, there are issues. Yeah, guys don't look like they're open. But again, that's got to be on the quarterback too. But I'm telling you right now, if, this, if there's another issue with the offense again on Sunday, Monday morning, Jason Garrett has to be gone. And I'm not saying you bring – you don't bring in a whole other offensive coordinator. You don't do that. But just bring in a different voice. Bring in the quarterback coach. Bring in the assistant offensive coordinator or whoever the hell is there. The tight end coach. I don't give a shit who it is. Bring in somebody different that maybe gets a different dynamic going. It's going to be some of the same plays, but there might be a little bit of a different flavor to it. You got to try something here. You got to try something. This can't work. You can't be scoring 14 points against the Falcons who have given up 40 points in both games that they played, for God's sake. Their defense stinks. And you struggled to get those 14 points. Eh, what are you going to do?
0: Not a good start.
1: All right. What do you want to go to next here? Now that I got aggravated.
0: All right. Maybe it's time for me to get aggravated. Talking about my Pittsburgh Steelers. Is that the way we go? Do we keep up with the aggravation
1: I, I, tone of this of this podcast? Uh, well, go ahead. We might as well go with the Steelers and then we'll get into some of the better games.
0: <laughs> listen, I don't even want to spend a ton of time. It, it just listen. Here's the problem. Ben's washed up. That we know. No doubt. He refuses to throw the ball down a field. And I said this last week, Rob. A lot of people have been uh, trying to dispel that by saying, well, maybe the defense is not giving them the middle of the field. The defense is calling the plays according to what you game plan and what you do offensively. That's simple as that. So they're taking that away from you because they know if they do take that away from you, you're not going to be able to do anything offensively. They can't sustain any sort of drives. And the offensive line was was pretty brutal on Sunday. It's, it's their first piss-poor showing of the season. Every single time Najee Harris had a carry for positive yardage, it got called back with a holding penalty. He led the team with receptions with 14 receptions. And they were just dink and dunk. They have a fourth and ten at the 11-yard line. Down by two scores, needing a touchdown in the worst way. They throw a screen pass two yards behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, Ben just refuses to throw the ball down the field. And the thing that, that really kills me is after the game, it, you know, when they're asking him about it, because is there a better look? Oh, that's the play that was called. And you know what? Spare me. Spare me the nonsense. Because, yeah, I don't think the offensive coordinator is that good. It looks like the same exact offense that was there from last year when Randy Feetner was the offensive coordinator. It's the same nonsense. I get it you have a quarterback who's been in the league for 17 years and won two Super Bowls, he's been to three. He's been in the playoffs every single season, pretty much. You're telling me he doesn't have the authority to switch to look at the line of scrimmage? He does. He's well within his right to do so. He won't because he doesn't believe in himself anymore. Whether it's the shaky offensive line that's getting in his head, whether it's his arm is not the same after the surgery, I don't know what it is. But he's not the same. This offense can't score any points. And again, the defense with the injuries, not having T.J. Watt as a game-changer. And they didn't have Alex Highsmith, their second pass rusher either. I picked this game as the Steelers minus three in our pick'em. I thought for sure that they would win. I thought that they would bounce back. But it's just more of the same. It's no adjustments. No adjustments ever. It's the same thing we've seen for three weeks. They lucked out because they blocked the punt and returned it for a touchdown in week one against the Buffalo Bills. Otherwise, they'd be 0-3. I mean, this team stinks. They really do. They stink. I overrated them. A lot of people overrated them. I thought people were underrating them, but uh, we've overrated them. Ben's done. He's cooked. They have no running game still, and the defense has too many injuries. You'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of victories on the schedule, and they have one of the toughest strength of schedules in the league. So I'm not expecting much down the stretch here. Tomlin's worn out his welcome. I'm done with him. I really am.
1: He made a a statement. That's he the made sentiment a sentiment with most Dula fans. Now he
0: made a statement at the end of the game that was really just like jaw dropping to me. And they asked him about that particular play I was referencing before, where they had a fourth and ten at the eleven yard line. They're down twenty four to ten, needing a touchdown to keep the game alive. And they run the screen pass. They throw the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And they asked Ben. They asked Tomlin, "Is there a different way you wish you would have gone there?" And he basically said. I think he said we fired all of our cannons to that point, which essentially means we tried everything and we We didn't have everything left. Then that's just an indictment on your entire coaching staff. And I've been I've been saying this for years, Rob, whenever a team doesn't have a lot of coaching turnover, normally the coaches on that staff that stay intact for a long time, those are usually guys at the top of the list when there's head coaching vacancies and when there's coordinator vacancies, the Steelers coaches are never sought after to be interviewed. And I've always I've always wondered, why is that the case? The only coach on the Steelers staff over the past five, six seasons. I mean, Todd Haley, he's a guy who's been around the league a million times before he got to Pittsburgh. That's the last job he's had. It's the last job he's had. No one wanted him after that. The only coach from the Steelers staff over the past five, six seasons that was highly sought after was Mike Munchak. And the Denver Broncos wanted him as their offensive line coach. They paid him more than the Steelers were willing to to pay him to get him over there. And since then, the Broncos' offensive line has increased dramatically, and Pittsburgh's offensive line has gone in the shitter. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think it's a drastic overhaul that needs to happen in Pittsburgh. And until that happens, and until a new quarterback, until the heir apparent is brought in, whoever that might be, draft pick, trade, whatever it is, they're looking at a rough stretch. One that I really haven't seen in my lifetime. I was really young last time. They were a six and 10 meddling team. Since I started watching football religiously, this team has always been uber competitive. They've always been in the playoffs or just outside the playoff picture, making a push at the end of the season to try to get in. It's going to be an extremely down period for this franchise moving forward. And there's no hope on the horizon until a lot of things change.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, they look like, you know, they're, they're a team that, and I watch the Steelers every week pretty much, they're a team that looks like they need a total rebuild. And some look, there's probably 30 teams out there that will want Mike Tomlin as a coach. I'm not gonna say 30, but you know, you probably got 20 teams out there that would love to have Mike Tomlin as a coach. But sometimes you just gotta make a change. You gotta make a change. The voice is not there anymore. It's just it, It's stale. It's a stale organization. And the problem is they're not gonna be good enough to get a top pick to get a quarterback in here, unless somehow, some way, Dwayne Haskins, you know. I mean there's a miracle here with Dwayne Haskins, but they brought him in. Uh, could they resurrect his career? I don't know. I don't know, but they got some issues there. They definitely have a lot of issues. I wouldn't think about I mean, I mean, 39 lack of talent on quarterback. quarterback. No, it. it's
0: not, that's the thing that's that's so maddening, is because you got Deontay Johnson, you got Juju Smith Schuster, you got Claypool, you got the first round pick Harris. They drafted a tight end Fryermuth in the second round. They got firepower. They just need a little bit of innovation and more of a willingness to stretch the ball down the field and use these guys to their strengths. I mean, Juju, when did when did Juju solidify himself as a good receiver in this league? Now, granted, I know he had Antonio Brown next to him when he did, but he wasn't being utilized as a slot guy catching three-yard in patterns. He's being utilized as, a, utilized as a guy who can press the seam, get the ball down the field, run routes in between the hash marks. They're not doing that. Everything is being thrown behind the line of scrimmage, and they're, and they're relying on these guys to get yards after the catch. And at a certain point, the defense is just going to stack the box. They're going to play press coverage, and they're not going to allow you to do that. And there was plenty of times on Sunday in particular where they did stack the box. They did play press coverage. He had man-to-man on the outside plenty of times, and he would not pull the trigger. He had James Washington man to man on the outside uh, at least three or four times. Wouldn't pull the trigger on a deep ball. Claypool, the whole reason you drafted him was because he, he's a physical wide receiver. He lined up his tight end half the time at Notre Dame. Big six foot four, two hundred fifteen pound body. A guy that's going to go up and catch a 50-50 ball in man to man coverage. Ben won't pull the pull the trigger. Won't throw the ball. It, it's it's maddening.
1: It's well, maddening. Look, as maddening as he might think it is, it could be worse. You could have Matt Nagy as your coach. Because that uh, yeah. guy, what he what he did to Justin Fields on Sunday is inexplicable. Yeah. And how that guy still has a job is beyond me. It's beyond it's beyond my imagination. I mean, guys like Marcus Spears and Dan Olavsky. and Olavsky played on a team with, with a guy that coached to a, an 0 16 team. And he said, This is the worst coach I've ever seen in my life. But Marcus Spears said too the incompetency of of, of Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy might be the worst coach I've seen since Richie Kotite. Coach the Jets back in the day when Boomer Esiason was a was quarterback. What he did to just – and how you're going to allow this guy to develop Justin Fields is beyond my imagination. And the Bears are another team. They're stuck in a stone age. They're stuck in a stone age. Go get yourself a competent general manager and a competent coach here. I mean, my God, that beating that Justin Fields took who probably won't even play this week. And why play him? Your offensive line stinks. The play calling is God horrendous. Matt Nagy is an incompetent coach. What they did to Justin Fields, taking nine sacks, kid took a beating. I mean, my God, you yep. see some of these, uh, They're both more
0: on Nagy and Pace. They're both more. And Orlovsky pretty much said, he said it's either incompetence at a level that we've never seen before, or it was done on purpose. <laughs>
1: he coaching. And let me tell you something, Andrew. These fucking referees all stink, too. I've had it with these referees. And then I even hear, you know, guys like Boomer Esiason that's an apologist for referees and, and, and the NFL and everything else has come out and said the same thing about the referee. It's god-awful. We see it game in and game out, all of us. All of us. It's almost like they're getting paid on commission to throw the flag. The amount of flags that we see and the incompetency of these referees—it it blows my mind, Andrew. Blows my mind. You watch, I watch all these games, man. I'm in tune with every one of these games, and and some of the calls, these egregious calls that I see from some of these referees, my God, it, it blows my mind. And just enough, with enough with some of these flags. Sometimes you have a, you have a, uh, the smaller, you have a guy, an eligible man downfield, the guy four and a half yards downfield. Let's stop. Take it, get it away. Some of these holding calls on the opposite side of the field that have nothing to do with the play on the other side of the field. Stop. They, they, they kill. We've been saying this for a couple of years now. They're killing the flow of the game. My God.
0: The, the t- flags. The, the taunting is really what makes me want to put oh, my head throw ta- away. Everything, Andrew.
1: It's just, <laughs> I, it's just some of these, the, these unsportsmanlike hits on the quarterback and, and, and the, the hitting of a defenseless receiver. I mean, come, some of them are just so bad. It's ridiculous. I mean, these pass interference calls are getting stupid. It's getting stupid to not allow these guys to play. And then you see the end of the Chief Charger game and Mahomes throws a Hail Mary and Kyrie Kill and and Travis Kelsey. Basically, it was was a second-degree assault on the two of them. (laughs) Go look at that replay again. They got mugged and dragged and pulled down. Can't make a call there.
0: How about uh, how about a- Adams? I thought he died on the field on that long pass. No flag yeah. on that one either. No
1: flag. No flag on that. No flag on that. I, I you know, I just—it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous.
0: It's terrible. It really it's is. Been,
1: it's been terrible. But it's you know got,
0: what? I mean, I, I didn't think it could get any worse, but it's—it's it's progressively well, gotten worse and worse if, every. If single you look season. at
1: that Raven Lion game, there was a delay game before that big play happened. Oh,
0: two and a half seconds. Two and yeah. a half seconds. Two and a half, the half seconds. The clock was on zero.
1: And what the NFL came out with the excuse, well, the game clock and the the clock you were seeing was was off. Get out of here. Stop. (laughs) Stop. 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 I felt bad for the Lions in that game. They made a terrific comeback. It was a hell of a game. And they got taken out because of incompetency. Much like the Giant game against Washington, dude. do the same thing. Dexter Lawrence wasn't offsides. NFL comes out. Oh, yeah, no, he wasn't offsides. I, I, you know, I mean, come on. It's got to stop. At some point, when you see a critical play like that happening with less than a minute, it should be an automatic review, period. If there's some sort of controversy to a call, it should be an automatic review. You're going to use the replay, then just use it. Use it the right way. Then use it. I don't know. I'll... But anyway, how about the Chiefs? They're one and two.
0: Jeez, are in last place.
1: You know, my, my friend Chad, I got to give him credit. He brought this up a couple of weeks ago about Mahomes. He goes, you know, Mahomes looks like he's getting a little full of himself lately. You know, throwing off the back foot, the side on throws, you know, the throws on one leg, jumping around. He's getting a little full of himself. Some of these mistakes he's making mm, probably could be avoided.
0: No, and, and. Chad is not the only person who feels that way. And I know I brought it up to you in, in a text thread about what Kyle Brandt was saying on Good Morning Football. And it kind of just went along the lines of exactly what Chad was saying. It's like it, it, Mahomes is enamored so much with his own skill set that at certain points, when all you need is just for him to complete a six yard pass it doesn't come that easy to him because he's trying to be flashy and he's doing this and he's doing that. And listen, everyone was talking ad nauseum coming into the season, especially after week one, about how fantastic Mahomes has been and how he doesn't throw interceptions in September and how he's undefeated. And now all of a sudden the Chiefs are one and two and they're not in trouble by any means. They're obviously still going to be a terrific team when it's all said and done at the end of the season. Might still be the number one seed when we're finished talking about this regular season. But you can argue that if it wasn't for two brutal turnovers by Patrick Mahomes on throws that did not need to be made, they would be 3-0. and yep. And instead, they're 1-2. and two. I mean, you had yep. you, you actually couple that with the really bad Edward Solaire fumble against the Ravens. He had another fumble last week. He's having a problem holding onto the ball. And you got Mahomes with the flashiness leading to interceptions that we've never seen him throw before. And this is what happens with the Chiefs. And the defense has been god-awful. And they pumped a ton of money into the offensive line, and the offensive line isn't protecting them like they would have hoped either. So the, the, the Chiefs are having more problems than I think anyone could have envisioned them having. But at the same time, I'm probably most confident in them out of anybody in the league to turn things around and get back on the winning track.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I, I just I, the Chiefs are going to right the wrongs. There's no doubt. But they are having an issue with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, too. You know, when the Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl, they had Damian Williams there. You know, even guys like Spencer Ware were there. And they were good guys, serviceable, ran the ball. They ran the ball well, the Chiefs. It seems like there's a problem with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know. Do you feel that way, Andrew, with with Hilaire?
0: I've never... I was a fan of him after the first game of the season last year against the Houston Texans, and I have not been a fan of him since.
1: Yeah, there's something that's not right with that kid there. Something that's not right. He's got the – you know, he had too much talent at LSU. Uh, You know, it just – I thought he was the right fit for that offense. I really did. So,
0: so did I. I so thought he was I. the
1: perfect fit for that offense. And it seems like there's – you know, look, he had the big fumble against the Ravens that basically cost him the game. He had two more fumbles as much as – he listened, he had a good game numbers-wise uh, against the Chargers the other day. He had 100 yards, scored a touchdown. But he fumbled twice in that game as well. Andy Reid stuck with him. I, you know, they might have a little bit of a problem with their running game there. And they could use a bit of a running game.
0: And that's why I, in my fantasy team, I picked up Darrell Williams. I just, I just don't see Edwards Hilaire being a bell cow if he's going to keep coughing up the football. They can't afford to because it's, it's, it's at a point now where they're losing games simply because of turnovers. And the only way to alleviate that issue is get the ball out of the guy's hands who turns the ball over. And obviously, you're not going to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands. He's the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can't do that. But Edward Hilaire needlessly turning the ball over—that can't happen. I wouldn't be surprised if his workload is cut in half. I really wouldn't.
1: And if I told you. Today, on September 29th, in the AFC West, two teams would be three and O, and one team would be two and one. You would have to think that one of them would be the Chiefs, right?
0: And the other would be the Chargers. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah. And meanwhile, the Chiefs are at one and two, and you got the Raiders and the Bronx. Now look, the Broncos are a little bit, it's a little bit weird. We both like them as a sleeper, right? Yes, but
0: we have to acknowledge that they've played the Jags, the Jets, and the Giants.
1: Exactly. And now this week they play the Ravens. In Denver, it's going to be an interesting test. Not that the Ravens are a great team, but they're better than what they played. And you got to wonder, you know, what the Broncos will look like in this game. Mm -hmm. You got to think about that. But you know, uh, let's get away from the games uh, from this past week, and I want to talk about the big game this week, and that's obviously Patriots and Buccaneers in New England. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, returning to New England. I mean, I'll tell you, this might be one of the most watched regular season games in NFL history.
0: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Prime time, Sunday night.
1: Oh, I am looking forward to that, man. I really, really am.
0: Now, what's the reception that Brady gets from the fans at Foxborough?
1: Look, how could, you, how could you not want to, you know, give him a big reception? You'd have to be nuts. You know, come on. How do you not give this guy a big reception here? How do you not stand for two, three minutes bowing to the guy? Look what he's done.
0: I think that the, the part, and Schrager was saying this. I, it, it
1: is an interesting, it, it is interesting because when a game starts, though, you're rooting for your team. Don't get me wrong.
0: Oh, obviously. Obviously. But, but Schrager brought this up, and it's interesting. It The fact that they ask Belichick about it, and Belichick in the most Belichickian way, his response is, uh, "We we play former Patriots all the time. We played Chris Hogan last week. Was there a big deal with that game? Right. I mean, like it's just the most Belichick thing to say of all time. Right. It just and adds and that's the answer you
1: expect. That's the that's the answer you expect to get. And you know that's that's the other thing I wanted to bring up to you. How do you you know this? It's such a dynamic when you have a coach of Belichick, who's a Hall of Fame coach, and obviously Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback that probably ever lived." That dynamic between the two of them, where it looks like it, it just looks like they never got along. Yeah. It looks like two guys that probably needed each other for the most part. And although, listen, Brady went on to win a Super Bowl with Bruce Arians and, and Tampa, obviously. But for the most part, two guys that brought it look, Tom Brady wasn't great right off the bat. You know, Belichick still had to develop this kid into the quarterback that he is. So you got to wonder where this may lie at the end of their careers. Belichick no longer coaching. Brady no longer playing. You know, you got to wonder where that dynamic will lie there between those two guys, because to me, it's freaking fascinating.
0: And it'll become even more fascinating if Brady would have win again this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you can't put it past him. No, I mean, you—you you think the Patriots have any chance to win this game on Sunday?
0: Um, I do, but if, if their recipe for success is if this is. An extremely low scoring game. If Bill is able to dial up a defensive game plan and where he wreaks havoc on Tom, having known him for so long, I don't well, think there's any way that the Patriots can keep up scoring wise with the Bucs if Brady's able no. to have his way with the New England defense. But
1: now the one thing about Belichick is he's always game plan to take away your best offensive player. So Belichick is drawing up his his defensive scheme for this week. Who's their best offensive player? Let's take away Evans. Okay. Well, now you got Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronkowski. Let's take away Gronk. Well, now you got Evans, Godwin, and Brown. Let's take away Brown. Well, now you got Godwin, Evans, and Gronkowski. I mean, so, you know what I mean? I,
0: yeah, it's a plethora of weapons. It's too much it, to game plan against.
1: It is. And you got to, you know what I've been seeing? You know what I've been noticing? And I noticed that the Lions did it to the, to the Packers. They did it to them uh, on a Monday night game where they played deep safeties. They played a deep zone. And basically dared the Packers to to run the ball, and thought that they you know they, they thought they can get Rodgers enough to where he would be um, impatient with the offense, which never happened because obviously Aaron Jones had an unbelievable game with four touchdowns, over a hundred yards uh, um, total rushing receiving, had a terrific game, and it, the Eagles did the same thing to the Cowboys on Monday night. Where they played those deep safeties. And look, Zach wasn't slinging the ball all over the place the other night. You know, he had some couple of places. CeeDee Lamb only had three receptions. Amari Cooper only had uh, two or three receptions. Dalton uh, Schultz was was the guy for them with the underneath routes. And Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard did their thing. Zeke Elliott looked terrific. I mean, he probably had his best game in over a year, but and looked like the Eagles were daring the, the Cowboys to run the ball. I wonder if if Belichick's game plan is to do the same to the Buccaneers.
0: I mean, we have not seen the Buccaneers be able to control the pace of a game with their running game yet. It was effective in the postseason last year. We have not seen it so far this year. I mean, Brady threw the ball 50 times in week one, and they won a 42-39 shootout or 41-39, whatever the final score of that game was. So we have not seen – you know, and, and the Bucks now have a little bit of a different identity in a running game because they they're using Giovanni Bernard a lot. They used him a, a ton last week out of the passing game. I think he had nine catches last week, Gio Bernard. So they hasn't haven't necessarily relied on the ground and pound version of the running game. You know, they're using their offense the similar way that Brady utilized his offense in New England, using James White to catch passes out of the backfield. They're doing the same thing with Gio Bernard so far. And they have not used Ronald Jones at all. Ronald Jones was a really tough runner for them last year. So maybe that is the game plan. I mean, maybe maybe that's the game plan, is to force them to run the ball, but also have that one linebacker that's just lurking in the open space to take away the passing threat from the backfield and take your chances.
1: Yeah, you wonder.
0: I mean, if there's I, anybody that I'm going to put confidence in I, I, in order to slow down Brady, it's probably going to be Bill.
1: Yeah, I don't think they are going to slow down Brady, but I do think think they're going to force them to run the ball. I just got a feeling that they're going to do whatever they got to do from having Brady stop from slinging the ball all over the place, and you're going to see a lot of Fournette in this game.
0: I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it, and I think they could win the game even without Fournette, but but I think Belichick is going to be able to...
1: I don't see Brady losing this game. I really, really don't. I just don't.
0: I don't either. I don't either.
1: I don't see him losing his game.
0: And Mac Jones has not looked as good as he looked in week one. He had a rough week last week. It's the first time he he had a little bit of a shaky performance last week. Mac Jones, he really did. So, how about that, too? Speaking of uh, Mac Jones and his rough week, I mean, it's the 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 Patriots obviously lose to New Orleans. And I see this stat. Jameis Winston's thrown for 390 yards on the season so far. 390 yards on the season in three games. It's incredible. A guy that we thought was going to go balls to the wall and be slinging it to a certain degree. I mean, we thought Sean Payton was going to hold him back a tad, but we know what makes Jameis Jameis. And that's throwing a football around that. He's not doing that at all.
1: Well, you got to wonder how much Alvin Kamara is going to last because he's getting a lot of touches. Yeah. That he's not used to in his career. So.
0: Well, he was used to splitting the workload with Ingram and then he was splitting the workload a little bit with Murray. And now there's no really split in the workload. It's just no, the Alvin Kamara show and they don't Tony, want to put the ball in Jameis's hands. Tony, Tony Jones Tony, Jr.
1: Tony Jones Jr. Who basically was a bowling alley singer about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs>
0: All right. So we'll do the same thing that we did last week, this week. Let's talk about it. What are the three games? Obviously Tampa Bay and new England is one of them. What are the other two games that you're looking forward to the most on this week's sleep?
1: Well, that's definitely the one. I mean, listen, Jesus. Uh, hold on. Let me see the slate. What we got here? I mean, to me,
0: you got Bucks, Patriots. Well, which has well yeah, I, I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna give you a couple because I'm gonna give you Panthers, Cowboys because I want to see. I, I want to see. What the Panthers look like against the Cowboy team that let me tell you something. That Cowboy team, their defense is unbelievably fast. I mean, obviously we we know their offense is good. It's it's very good. But their defense has looked, I mean, look, I, I understand you're playing Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, whatever, but their defense looked really, really fast the other night. I'll tell you my what, God. I'm
0: still hearing the I was saying this to a couple of my buddies during the week. This narrative that the Dallas Cowboys defense can't stop anybody, it's just a false narrative. I, I would have actually argue that they're probably ahead of the middle of the pack. They have a good defense. They have a good defense. They play fast, and the biggest thing that you can say about a defense is they are incredibly opportunistic. They've had at least two picks in all three games so far. Opportunistic. They had the pick six with Diggs. They picked off Brady twice. They had a key interception from Justin Herbert in that game against the Chargers they win in the turnover battle more often than not, you're going to win. You're going to win the ball game. So that's really all that matters. You can give up chock full of yardage. You can give up 450 yards. If you're going to come up with opportunistic turnovers, I mean, I'm not saying giving up that many yards is a blueprint to success, but it doesn't really matter that much. If you're going to take the ball away and you're going to win a turnover battle. Cause when you do more often than not at the end of the game, you have a W in the win column.
1: Yeah. So I want to see that Panther defense against the Cowboys. The Panther defense too, is another defense that's played well the first three weeks, but you know, I want, to see, I want to see what they do. The Panthers at, at 3-0 and themselves. Um, let's see what happens at that game. I, 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 that's an interesting game to me. And the third game, oh, boy. I mean, I'm looking at a couple of games here. I want to see how the Steelers do against the Packers in Green Bay. Steelers are desperate. I, I don't. <laughs> They're desperate. And then i, I really say the truth, probably, probably the third game would be that Monday night game, Raiders-Chargers.
0: I was gonna say the three games for me would be yeah. Bucks, Patriots, Raiders, Chargers. And then yeah, also Raiders I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to Seahawks and 49ers. Hmm. That's another game
1: uh, that has
0: some. Yeah, another
1: to divisional me. game. Yes, because that's another that's, an- sure. that's another
0: game. You talked about the Steelers and how they're desperate. The Seahawks are desperate too. And they're going against a tough test here. But, and but Russell Wilson has never had a ton of success against that 49ers defense. They're in desperation mode. They fall to one and three in that division where the Rams look like a super team. And the Cardinals are playing a lot better offensively than I think anyone could have imagined. The, the Seahawks are in trouble if they drop this game to another divisional opponent here.
1: That, let me tell you something though: that Seahawk defense is god awful.
0: Ah, Jamal Adams, difference maker, right?
1: Oof, oof. That 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 defense is terrible. It's awful.
0: They get no pressure on a quarterback. None. I think Kirk Cousins dropped back 35 times. I think he was hurried four times on Sunday. Or whatever it was. I don't know if he even dropped back that many times because Madison had a good Ah, game in the backfield. But I think he was hurried four times when he dropped back in that
1: game. And you know, another game that Seahawks blew a first half lead.
0: He had a 10-point lead in that game, right? 10-point lead in the first half?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Two weeks in a row.
0: Terrible. And yeah, 38 dropbacks for Kirk Cousins. He was sacked once. He's probably hurried three other times. So, Seahawks,
1: are, Seahawks are in trouble. Big time. I mean, there- I
0: mean it, it kind of falls into what I was saying last year. I said it again this year. Very mediocre roster with a very, very good quarterback that kind of uh, disguises their flaws a little bit. If you put just your average run-of-the-mill quarterback on that Seahawks team, I guarantee you they're a five-win team.
1: Oh, at best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're just not very good. They gave up all that capital to get Jamal Adams as if he's a difference maker. He's not. He's a he's a he's a box no. safety that basically plays a linebacker position.
1: Yeah, everybody's seen it. They give up a lot. Yeah, they give up a lot for him. Not so, a good situation. It's not a good situation, but yeah. So those are the top three games. I mean, that rated charging game should be an explosive game. <laughs> Two offenses, and I tell you, Justin Herbert has been terrific. Derek Carr look really, really good, too. I tell you, really has. Raider offense looks good. I mean, the defense looks looks OK. But this should be a dynamic game between these two teams. It really, really should be. I mean, you know, the problem with me, the Seahawks 49er game is I'm just tired of seeing the Seahawks, man. That it, it's just. That team is just so I, I don't know what it is. It's like. Day in and day out, it's like Groundhog's Day. It's the same thing all over.
0: Well, let me ask you a a different question. Do we start to see the conversation about a potential Russell Wilson trade resurface if the Seahawks have a really bad season, like a 6-11 type season?
1: I would think it'd have to be in the conversation. How could it not? I mean, you'd have to start a rebuild. After this year... If the Seahawks don't make the playoffs, you, you, you got to go through. It's much like the Steelers. You've had a coach that had been there forever. You've had a quarterback that's been there forever. And it, it, there's got to be a change because it's not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just not. There's got to be a rebuild.
0: And they already won. It's not like it yeah. didn't work out. They already got their Super Bowl win. Yeah. But now it's just, it's just getting stale. A change needs to be made.
1: It's getting stale.
0: All right, so let's revisit what I, I obviously didn't want to do because it's uh, it was an embarrassing showing on my part in our pick-em segment last week. Just utter embarrassment. Um, and I thought my, my picks in week one were bad. I mean, I got my one-point pick, but my two and my three were not good. So I felt like, you know what, I'm going to make a conscious effort on redistributing my points a little bit better when it came to my picks in week two but for God's sake, it didn't matter where I distributed them. I could have just left it blank and I would have done better than I did this week. 0 and three, I had the Steelers as my one point play minus three. They got the doors blown off by the Bengals at home. Oh, and two at Hines field. So far this season, I had the bears getting seven points. Uh, I did not factor in the, uh, Matt Nagy being the head coach. That should have been something that alerted me to stay away from that game, but I didn't. Um, so the bears got their asses kicked by Cleveland. And then I had the Raiders minus four and they had that game in the bag and then let Jacoby Brissett storm down the field and get the two point conversion to force that game to go into overtime. And they only win by three and they don't cover the four points. So, and, and the, I knew I was screwed early on because the Raiders fell into a 14, nothing hole with a pick six from car. They fell into that 14, nothing hole. They were playing catch up for the rest of the game. And they finally got uh, spread compliant for lack of a better term. And then pissed it away at the end. So I go, zero three, um, Rob, one point play. Seahawks minus one and a half, and they blew that double digit lead, and the Vikings beat them. So you get nothing for the one point play. The two point play that you knew all along was in it by Indiana. I Joe know minus three. That didn't work out. But what matters most is that you get the three points from your three. I got the play. big
1: three. My Lions, man. My and Lions
0: uh, getting eight points at home against the Baltimore Ravens, and if not for a missed delay of game call on a fourth and nineteen, and a six yard outright. doink. They would have won the game
1: outright. I would have got six points on that.
0: I don't know if that's the way that this game works, but <laughs> I mean, we I could play along with you if you'd like. So as we sit through two weeks, well, we only started doing the pick in week two. So even though it's three weeks into the season, we're two weeks into our pick Uh So far, I am one and five with one point. <laughs> that's terrible. It's brutal. Uh, and Rob is three and three. Um, which is 500, nothing to write home about, but he distributes his points properly. He's got eight points, so he's got a decisive seven-point lead on me, and that's pretty much what matters most. I mean, I can have a better record if Rob's got more points at the end of the year. Rob is the winner. So for the third consecutive week now, Rob is going to start things off with his pick first. He's going to give his one-point play. I'll give my one and my two. He'll give his two and his three, and I will close it out with my three. Once again,
1: partner, the floor is yours. The floor is mine, and you're gonna go. My one-point play is going to be a little, little interesting here because I, I tell you, as much as they haven't played well, and I know it's your team, Andrew, and I hate to do it to you, but they're desperate, and I just feel like they're gonna come up with a big game. I don't think I don't know if they're gonna win the game so much as the fact that I think they're going to stay in this game because look, as much as the, you know, I'm going with the I'm going with the Steelers here. Minus to six and a half. As much as uh, you know, we've been, you know, you've been talking about the Steelers, and we've been talking about the Steelers defensively, offensively. There's been some issues defensively, mostly with the injuries. Um, offensively, just the whole game planning. I just think things will change a little bit here in Green Bay. They'll be desperate for a win here in Green Bay, and I think that they'll stay in this game because the Patrick defense has not really shown that it's any sort of a championship defense, and they can, they can be scored upon. So I am kind of think that the Steelers turn back the clock a little bit here, and I think they go back to maybe running the ball like they did 20 years ago. So I'm looking at ancient history here. Bam Morris, Barry Foster coming into place, Willie Parker, and now it's Nazi so how do you? How- I was going to and
0: say, how do, you mention, how do you mention Bam Morris and Willie Parker and not mention Jerome Bettis? I
1: know the bus because I was getting carried away. I was getting excited. I was leading it to my boy Najee. But you know I love Najee. And I think this is going to be a Najee Harris game. I think they're going to smarten up here. I think they're going to smarten up in Green Bay. They're going to be desperate for a win. And I think they're going to use the running game. They're going to utilize it. Hopefully, DJ Watt comes back as we play. Bush Hayden comes back. They'll disrupt the Packers enough offensively, but I still think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. But I think at the same point, I'm looking at 31-27, maybe somewhere along the line. Packers win the game. I don't see the Steelers winning this game, but I think it's close enough where they'll cover that six-and-a-half-point spread.
0: I'm just shocked. Bam Morris, Barry Foster, and Willie Parker before Jerome Bettis.
1: Well, because, listen, Jerome Bettis is the easy one to mention. I know, but I try, that's that's like me fun. That's
0: like me saying I'm, I'm looking forward to vintage Steelers quarterback play and mentioning Bubby Brister before I mention Terry Bradshaw. That's I mean, okay. That's like, <laughs> not in my book, it's not.
1: That's okay.
0: All right, you're locked so in. Much. You're locked in. Your one-point play is the Steelers plus six. That's and a half. okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little bit of picking on the fly here. And the reason why is because I have five games that I like, and I haven't decided against them. And, uh... What I'm basically doing now, you ever go to a restaurant, Rob, and you don't know what you want to order, so you make everyone else order first and then you pick last, and you just come up with something on the fly? Well, that's what I'm doing tonight. I made you make your one-point pick, and now that I'm on the clock, I just got to fire away and go here. My one-point play got the Philadelphia Eagles, who just looked terrible on Sunday night against the Cowboys team that was clicking on all cylinders their defense is fast like you said and they got a tough matchup they're at the link against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting here realizing that they're one and two and they're in last place in a division which ultimately they will reclaim but you have to start winning some games before you can reclaim it Um, and this is a game where they should win I think that they should blow out the Philadelphia Eagles I do and they're touchdown favorites on the road I just like this Kansas City offense to be able to have their way with the Philadelphia defense, which has had some injuries. The Philly offensive line has had some injuries. I expect Kansas City to maybe add a couple more wrinkles into that offense to make it less predictable and maybe take the ball out of Edward Hilaire's hands, who's been turning the football over a little bit too much. If they don't turn the ball over, I think they blow out most of the teams that they play. So I like the Kansas City Chiefs' as seven-point favorites as my one-point play. My two-point play is another one. That I love I just think that the spread is too low and I hate to have to do this to you partner you got the Saints as seven and a half point favorites against the New York Giants New York football Giants Blake Martinez in the middle of that defense the signal caller, pretty much torn ACL he's out for the season you got the hamstring injuries to the wide receivers they're gonna be shorthanded on the offensive side of the ball and listen Jameis Winston is not prime Jameis Winston in terms of turning the football over. He's managing the game. They're using Kamara. Listen, I know that the Saints are not playing in the Dome. And that obviously is a little bit of a disadvantage. They don't have a true home right now. Or are they returning home for this week four
1: game? Who's that? What are you talking about? The Saints.
0: Are they returning home for this week four game? uh,
1: I believe they were supposed to return. They're supposed to return home. I mean, that fire that they had in in the Superdome on the roof didn't have any bearing on it I I believe that they were supposed to return home because from what they originally said when they had a play in Jacksonville was that their first home game was going to be uh, against the Giants
0: yes and it is at the Dome so disregard everything that I just said so in fact I would think that that spread should be even higher because they're actually at home in front of a raucous New Orleans crowd first home game first true home game of the season uh, I, I just don't see the offense of the Giants being able to keep up. And we've seen the Saints defense shut some guys down. They made Mac Jones look incredibly uncomfortable, a young quarterback. They were able to shut down Aaron Rodgers in week one. They held the Packers offense three points. Pretty much made Rodgers look disinterested by the end of the game. I expected to do more of the same with Daniel Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a turnover uh, a game with a lot of turnovers from Daniel Jones. He maybe fumbles, maybe throws a pick. I just think that the spread is too low. So I like the Saints' 7.5-point favorites as my 2-point play. So I'm going with two relatively big favorites as my 1-point play and my 2-point play.
1: Yeah, I see that. You know, my 2-point play is going to be the Thursday night game, and I'm going to go with the Bengals with the 7.5 against the Jaguars. Bengals have actually been playing well. Uh, I I'm not sure if T Higgins is even going to be playing in this game, but I don't think they're going he's to out. need him.
0: He's officially out. I, I don't
1: I don't think they're going to need him anyway. With Jamar Chase, who's been catching, who didn't catch a cold in the preseason, has been catching everything in the regular season. It's been terrific. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow's looked terrific so far in the early going. year. looks like he's fully back, healthy from that uh, devastating knee injury. Um. And the Jaguars have looked god-awful. I don't think they have nearly enough to beat the Bengals here in this spot. I could see the Bengals beating them 30-17 to in this game. Maybe the Jaguars score a couple late touchdowns to make it close. But otherwise, I I feel confident in the Bengals laying 7.5 at home on a Thursday night. Trevor Lawrence has been really, really bad. He has not been good. Urban Meyer does not look like he even wants to coach in the NFL, to be honest with you. He, He doesn't. We brought it up last week when... When the, the question was posed to him whether or not he got out coached in this game. I Urban Nai is not long for this NFL job at all. I thought he think, I, I think he thought in his own mind this would be easy coming into to a certain degree, and he's finding it not and he's also looking at the fact that this Jaguar team is awful and needs a complete rebuild. So I could see the Bengals winning his game, going away with no problems. I'm looking at, like I said, 31-17, 34-17. Thirty-seven, seventeen, something to that effect. I just don't see the Jaguars sticking in this game all that much. So I like the Bengals minus 7.5 as my two-point pick. With my three-point pick, I'm sorry, I know they played well. They played okay. But they've gotten away with a couple of games here early on. I know they got up to that 3-0 start. But I, I, I'm looking at the, at the Raiders against the Chargers on Monday night. At Chargers here at SoFi Stadium. I, I just feel like the Chargers are a better team. The Raiders have had some inconsistencies. They've got away with games here these first three weeks, especially that Miami game last week. You know, they should not have had a problem in that game. They shouldn't have had to struggle the way they struggled. Granted, they came back in that game when they won. But I kind of like the Chargers in this game. I love the way the Chargers defense has been playing. Although they're going to be uh, missing Derwin James once again with another injury. They have enough on defense. Their defense played terrific against the uh the Chiefs in Kansas City. I thought they equipped themselves well there. I thought the Charger offense, uh, I tell you Mike Williams has been terrific. They've been putting him in a slot. The guy's been a beast along with Keenan Allen, Aaron Echolair, Justin Herbert's been terrific. Offensive line's been playing great, blocking great for them. I love the Chargers in this game, minus the three. I can see the Chargers winning this game going the away almost, to be honest with you. Andrew, on Monday night, that's my three-point pick.
0: All right, my three-point pick. You know a game that I really liked on this schedule? And it's a pick is the Broncos and the Ravens. But I'm just afraid I need to make up a decisive seven-point gap here. So I don't want to make any... I don't want to let any potential Ravens hatred or bias get in the way here because I would be siding with the Broncos in that game. So I'm going to lay off that. I can't be wasting a three-point play on something that I just have, have too much of a rooted interest in. So I'm going to go away from that. I'm going to look at the Miami Dolphins, who are 2.5-point favorites at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And let me tell you something. The Indianapolis Colts are in such a piss-poor division between the Texans and Jaguars, who are two of the worst teams in football. This was their division to win. And they're off to an 0-3 start, and this is desperation mode. And I would argue if they lose this game, the trade for Carson Wentz is going to be called into question. Whether they have the right coach in place is going to be called into question. There's going to be a whole lot of turmoil within Indianapolis if they don't win this game. And they are underdogs against a team in Miami that doesn't have their starting quarterback. Jacoby Brissett didn't light the world on fire by any means last week. The only reason that game is really close was because they got off to a 14-0 start due to a pick six from Derek Carr in the early going. And remember, if anyone knows what Jacoby Brissett's strengths and weaknesses are, it's the Indianapolis coaching staff. They had Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback the past couple of seasons. So they're going to come up with a game plan to shut him down. Jonathan Taylor is primed for a big game after Peyton Barber basically ran all over that Miami defense last weekend. Are you telling me the Colts are underdogs in this game against the backup quarterback? That's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful in my opinion. I think the Colts come out with a big-time sense of urgency. They need to win this game, get in the win column to avoid falling to 0-4. And And I like the Colts' as two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road in Miami to get their first win. I think they win the game outright. And that's my three-point play, Colts plus two-and-a-half.
1: I tell you, they've been having problems with Colts. You know, Wentz has been terrible. Uh, uh, listen, he's been injured also. The guy was limping around the whole game. But and they, can't, they can't get a running game going. They can't get Jonathan Taylor going. They can't even get a running game going.
0: I think this is the week that they do it.
1: Well, like you said, this desperation mode. But, you know, you, you mentioned that Raven-Bronco uh, game. And I almost went to that game. Because I kind of I'm looking at the Broncos and I'm saying, well, look who they played the first three weeks, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Giant uh, uh, Jaguars, Jets, Giants. You, you know, you look at who they played, and you got to think that something's going to give here. Something's going to give. Are, are the Ravens uh, better than what we expected them to be? Because we both said that we thought they would struggle this year. I know you had said that especially. Uh, they struggled against that Lion team. They Listen, they won a terrific game against the Chiefs, albeit they should have lost that game. Not for a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble. They should have lost that game. But this is an interesting game because, you know, this game is a pick game. Going into Denver. They're a 3-0 team Denver in Denver. And it's a pick game. Mm-hmm. What's that telling you?
0: It, and they started off as point and a half favorites. When I wrote down the pick, they were minus one and a half yesterday. I looked back today, and they would pick them.
1: What's that telling you? Yeah, it's it's telling you something. I I I tell you, I was close to picking this game as one of my picks. Then I said, let me stay away from it, you it because it, you know it's, look, maybe, it's maybe, trying maybe maybe to the Broncos, into taking a
0: three and team. Maybe the
1: Broncos are as good as we expected them to be because we both expected them, the Broncos to be somewhat of a sleeper team, a 10-win team, and maybe uh, they are this good as they've shown. And just listen, just the way the schedule fell, they played three bad teams and they beat them. It doesn't mean they're a bad team that just beat bad teams.
0: They didn't squeak by them, no. They beat right. them with ease, they, each they team.
1: Blew, well, those three teams are that bad, though. That's yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. that's true. They're three incompetent teams, the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars. Maybe the three of the worst teams in the league. So, <laughs> you know, but... So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see what happens. And, you know, my only other problem with the Ravens is, you know, where's the weapons on this team? Andrew, where's the weapons? I mean, On the just, Ravens team? I mean, look, they, they just took uh, Rashad Bateman off the IR list. Yes. So they got to bring him back within three weeks. So you got to figure, you got to hope that that would help. First round pick, expecting big things out of him. Marquise Brown last week against the Lions. Was maybe one of the worst games I've ever seen a wide receiver have. <laughs> yeah, he tarry. dropped. Th- I mean, he dropped three balls, Andrew. Two of them being touchdowns that nobody was around them, and it was directly the ball was in his chest. I mean, there's no possible way a professional NFL player could drop these balls. Even if you were the punter, 50 yards downfield catching a pass, there's no way you should be dropping these balls. But they're devoid of weapons here. Devin Duvernay, Marquise Brown, who's had the yips. It's really, they can't establish a running game. Who's there? Are you using Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray? I mean, who are they using here? They got to establish one guy.
0: Lamar Jackson wasn't even able to get his running game going. He, in that he's game not getting Detroit. his
1: running game going. Mark Andrews has really been a factor. You know, so.
0: I, I realize a lot of times in that game, particularly in the fourth quarter, when the Lions started put, put, getting closer in that game, a lot of times they're rushing three guys. And they just had linebackers playing a a, a, a tough zone right around the five-yard mark to eliminate the capability of Lamar running outside the pocket because normally well, he like step up their and their take off.
1: Andrew, right. He's their only weapon.
0: So they're just kind of forming a line five yards down the field with their linebackers and just making Jackson throw the ball from the pocket. And granted, he made a couple of nice throws. And obviously, you mentioned the drops from Marquise Brown. It probably should have put the game away. But the offensive line for the Ravens is not very good. And they're just so... Void of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, I, I just I like to side with Denver. But again, I wanted to err on the side of caution and not letting any potential bias because of my fandom get in the way. So that's why I laid off that game. But gun to my head, I'm picking the Broncos in that game. But I decided to lay off and go with the Colts. So, all right, So just to recap here. Rob is three and three with eight points. I am one and five with one, one singular point. Not something I'm proud of. We're back to the drawing board. We'll get better. I promise. Rob's one point play this week. Steelers plus six and a half. His two point play is Bengals on Thursday night against the Jaguars minus seven and a half. His three point play is the Chargers on Monday night minus three and a half against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. My, My three plays. My one point play is the Chiefs minus seven on the road against the Eagles. My two point play is the Saints minus seven and a half at home in the dome. First home game of the season against the Giants. And then my three-point play is the Colts plus two and a half on the road against the Miami Dolphins. And that'll do it for our pick segment in week four. I'm confident that this is the week that gets me on the right track. I have a lot of conviction behind these picks. I had a lot of conviction in week two and week three, and it didn't really work out for me. But somehow this is going to be different. I don't think I'm being suckered into anything this week, where I did have a little bit of feeling in the back of my mind, like I was being suckered into a couple picks in the past couple of weeks. Hence the Steelers. Minus three, that was one that really caught my attention. Is one that I was being suckered into, as did the the Giants pick for you. And what was the pick week two that really stood out to me as the game in which I thought I was being suckered into? It. I have to look back at the schedule here.
1: I forgot which one that was. Oh, the Saints minus three and oh, a the half. Oh, right? Right. And they got
0: right. their asses kicked by the. They Panthers. got their asses kicked, right? Yep. Yep. And in the Cardinals too, I was confident in that pick. I made it my three point pick, I think. And uh, that didn't work out too well for me you, too. You they know, won, sometimes- but they didn't cover. <laughs>
1: The NFL is just a weird dynamic, man, when it comes to betting lines and everything else. Well, you, you know what? <laughs> the, expect, the, the, expect the unexpected. That's all the, I got to
0: say. The thing that's so strange, particularly when it comes to the spreads nowadays, is you got some of the coaches in this league that are taking that analytical approach that like going for two on their first score of the game. And then also, these kickers are so god-awful nowadays. How many of them are missing extra points and then all of a sudden the score is fucked in, in the first five minutes of the game? Like, it's terrible.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, two
0: two weeks, two weeks out of the three games the Cowboys have played, Zerlin has had an early extra point miss that just completely changed the outlook of of how the spread was going to work out for the rest of the game. And you got the Chargers. Look at the Chargers. I mean, I know the Chargers won that game, but last week against the Chiefs, they had a fourth and nine, ended up going for it instead of kicking a field goal because they had no faith in their kicker. It worked out for them and they won the game, but.
1: Well, they actually brought the, they it was wasn't it? It was fourth and four, and then they took a penalty, right, and moved back five yards to right. make it fourth and nine because they were originally going to bring the field goal kicker out there, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It went to fourth and nine, and then they decided to bring Justin Herbert out.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. If it didn't work out and they lost that game, Brandon Staley would have a lot of questions to answer after that game. It worked out for them. But, I mean, he basically said after the game that they need to clean it up because that wasn't something that they were anticipating on doing. But it was just a mess. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest, too. The Chargers are two and run right now. If Anthony Lynn is still coaching his team, the Chargers are 0-3. No, I can sorry. say that with 100% certainty.
1: I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly.
0: Both of their wins were games in which the Chargers were going to Charger, and then they realized that Anthony Lynn is no longer there, and they, they put the game away. And Herbert looks terrific. He really does. Terrific.
1: Now, Herbert's been terrific. You kidding me?
0: Must be nice to have a second-year quarterback and know that you're set. Must be nice. Instead, you got a third-year quarterback with the Giants that has not shown you big play capability. You got a rookie quarterback with the Jets that you can't make a judgment on yet, but the first three weeks have not been good. And then you got me with my 39-year-old quarterback who cannot throw the football anymore. So we're not in advantageous spots when it comes to that position.
1: No, we got problems. I, I tell you, our football teams, man. Oof. And think about it. I'm going to that. A, I'm going to a steel a lion game on November twelfth. Yes, you are. Oof.
0: <laughs> and I was talking to my dad. The worst part about it is that normally, I mean, obviously, you know the heartbreak that's associated with being a Mets fan. We don't need to talk about that. And obviously the Rangers have not been good these past couple of seasons, haven't made the playoffs and
1: but at least you're seeing the Rangers five rebuild. We're starting to see some well, young yeah, you're talent. seeing
0: progress there, but with the main progress, point,
1: young talent looking to develop. So right, you know. But
0: the the main point being that with all these teams that consistently break my heart or fall short, the Steelers were the one constant that when football season came around, at least I knew I had something to look forward to. And that's now that's no longer the case. So depressing. It's like the changing of the guard for my favorite teams in terms of which one is going to be the the, the period of the year where I can actually look forward to and know that I'm not going to drive to drink <laughs> while, while watching them play.
1: It's been, look, look, at least you've had the Steelers over these last few years, the Giants. I, I mean, I'm after, incredibly lucky. I am. You know, you're incredibly lucky to have that. You know, even Yankee fans that don't appreciate the Yankees also, even in a season where the Yankees have... You, air quotes, struggled, they're still going to win 92 games and they're still in line to, to make the wild card. Right? Yeah.
0: Must be nice, right?
1: Yeah. Again, it so, goes back to the
0: expectations, though. 92 win season and it's a struggle. Last year, the Giants were 6-10 and 10, and we were like, hey, look at this. I mean, this is it. it's promising. Steps in the right direction, you know?
1: Strange. Well, we went an entire podcast without mentioning a certain team and we're not going to mention them. It's been very, very nice, even though, you know, we had to mention the Giants, of course.
0: I mean, I've had them on in the background, but we're not going to mention them.
1: No, there's no mentioning them. And we'll get into some some Ranger talk, some hockey talk next week. Season will be starting up some preseason games. I was watching that game last night against the Bruins. Actually, it was nice to see some uh, fans in the stands. My boy, Hendrik Lundquist, will be retiring on January 28th, which is a Friday night. Against the Minnesota Wild, they'll be having the retirement ceremony, and man oh man, ticket prices are insane. So if anybody's out there and has a hot, I'm a diehard Hundred Lundqvist fan. I was trying as soon as I got the notification of the date of his retirement, I was I was going into Ticketmaster trying to get tickets, and I was clicking onto the tickets, and it wouldn't process because I guess people were pulling them off at the same time and raising the prices. Uh-huh. You know, it was crazy. Well, if you're and looking so, to if so, you're looking so to make wait. some
0: extra dough to get some tickets to go to that game, just take my one point, my two point, my three point play this week and you'll be golden.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, you do the hit. You do the hit. <laughs> but now ticket prices of you know, the same tickets that we're looking at that was three fifty, four hundred dollars a ticket, now is eighteen hundred dollars a ticket. It's insane.
0: God almighty.
1: It's insane.
0: Uh, you know what? To me, I, I I, don't think that this was 100% a coincidence. I don't think this was 100% planned either, but I think it's really, really nice that they're playing a Minnesota Wild so that Zuccarello can be there to watch Hank get his number retired because they were a, best what? buddies. You know
1: Andrew? That's a great point. That's a fantastic point.
0: And you know who else is going to be there, too, on a Minnesota Wild? Cam Talbot, which does have a little bit of meaning to it because he was the – uh backup.
1: He was the backup, he he was a the whole backup t- to Lundqvist. And when, when Hank got hurt, Cam Talbot took over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And parlayed that into having some trade value and then getting a contract with the Edmonton Oilers. So uh,
1: That's a great point. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah. So Zuccarello will be Zuc- there.
1: Zuc- yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean,
0: him and Hank were tight. They were tight.
1: They were tight. They were very, very tight. They yep. were.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that for All sure. All right. Very all right, good. that'll put uh, episode 75 in the book. So we did a lot, recapped all of week three, previewed all of week four, talked about the Yankees, preserved our mental health by not talking about the other New York baseball team.
1: Oh, thank God. It felt so good.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. This is probably, I mean, we had our fair share of aggravation, but I don't think the aggravation compares to the type of aggravation we feel when we talk about that certain team that we still are not going to mention by name. No. We've gone through two, or, two hours without even saying them. I think I might have slipped and said their name in the intro just to say that we weren't going to talk about them, but that's it. So, uh, that'll do it. We'll put that in the book. So we'll be back next week. We'll recap week four. We will preview week five. We'll do our weekly pick them segment. Again, we will revert back to the Yankees and we'll see what ends up happening a week from now. At that point, the season will be in the books. And now when is the AL wildcard game tentatively scheduled to be Played here now. Will that game have happened by the time we are on the air? Will it be happening while we're on the air?
1: October 2nd is does that make sense? What's October 2nd? Uh, no, that's the Sunday can't October 4th or 5th then.
0: All right, so let me look. The wild card, the dates have I'm thinking, I'm
1: thinking the 5th. I'm thinking the 5th because you figure the Monday the, would be a day off. Or the no? AL is
0: October 5th, the NL yeah. is October 6th, so Six. Tuesday, yeah. October 5th. So we'll be on the air the day after the Yankees wild card game. So plenty to talk about there. Plenty to talk about with the Rangers, because at that point we'll be exactly uh, a week away from their opening night game against the Washington Capitals. And uh, obviously all the football talk. So busy slate. Now the podcast is going to start to really ramp up. We're going to be wondering how the hell we're going to fit everything in one podcast as opposed to time fillers with some nonsensical bullshit, which we do. Then we'll
1: have to get into the firing of Louis Rojas. And which is manager. inevitable.
0: No, 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 no. Don't mention, don't mention anybody mention by it. name. The I mention- didn't
1: mention. I didn't mention anything. Louis, I- no. Louis Rojas is the guy that's in. Uh, he's actually the president of uh, one of the Uber companies out here.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That
1: I use. I know. I know
0: who you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. I, I I made a mistake. <laughs> I thought you were referring to somebody else. But I'm no, I wasn't
1: referring. No, no. Okay. Diff- yeah, different. Different. All
0: way. right. Smart choice by you. Yeah. But that'll do it. So everybody, uh, follow Rob on social media at RoboG6. R O B B O G6. That's his Twitter account. Follow him there. Um, he's active for the most part. So if you follow him, you'll laugh. Um, you'll see some of the heaters he's ripping in car breaks. Although you've been ice cold. I saw DJ sent you some dry ice with your last package of cards, which I oh, found yeah, pretty I, I, put
1: that, I put that out there as a joke, but <laughs> I tell you, he did the right thing by me today, DJ though. I mean, he sent me a nice Pepper Johnson autograph card. He goes, I know I haven't I know you've been cold, I haven't pulled your heaters. Sent me a really, really nice Pepper Johnson autograph card and then uh sent me a box of gold standard cards in which I pulled some nice Nice cards. I pulled an uh, RPA uh, Rashad Bateman. I pulled a nice white gold Drew Brees with a patch. Nice cards. Really, really nice box. So he did the right thing, Um, uh, DJ, as he always does. Great guy. I saw he
0: he sent the box because you had a a damage card or something I saw.
1: I had a damage, uh, um, nice gold standard card, a Travis DTN, and the card was badly damaged, badly damaged. So um, it was damaged when he, you took it he, out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. So he contacted, wow. Panini, he contacted Panini, the manufacturer, emailed them twice. They never got back to him. So he, he made good on the card. I didn't ask him to do anything. It's not his fault. The card came like that, uh, but he did the right thing. So
0: yeah, very nice. I mean, we had DJ guy. on the pod. Everyone should know what he's all about. Great yeah, guy. Great guy. Really uh, you good. can f- you can follow me on social media too at Andrew May underscore twenty one. That's a Twitter account. You follow our podcast account at Four the Pod. Uh, tweet at us text us call us comments concerns requests anything of that nature send it our way and we're certainly receptive we love uh giving to people what they want so that'll do it for episode 75 we'll be back next week for episode 76 so everybody all you Yankee fans I hope you're pleased with the end result of the season and hopefully for your sake we're talking about a, a Yankees wild card win hopefully for Rob and and my sake, we'll be talking about a Yankees loss, <laughs> so we can throw it in your face when we record. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. And, and, and everybody, you do uh,
1: understand. You do understand. A Yankee game is five-five right now.
0: Oh, it is. Yes. As I saw, it was five-three. Okay. And what inning? Sixth inning.
1: It's the eighth. Top of What's the eighth. eighth. Now, okay. Unbelievable. It's uh, it's unreal.
0: Okay. Well, Inching closer and closer to that magic number. Hopefully, they can does, pull it, this one out.
1: It doesn't stop.
0: You're not gonna get your wish.
1: It doesn't stop.
0: <laughs> You're not going to get your wish. All right. Uh, so everyone enjoy this, this last week of Yankees baseball. And hopefully for your sake, it culminates into a playoff trip and hopefully a wild card win and enjoy this football Sunday. And we'll talk to everyone next week. So thank you for continuing to listen. And as always, thank you for continuing to support. As long as everyone continues to support, we're going to keep recording and we're going to keep talking. So thank you everyone for Rob Dufresne. I'm Andrew May. See you guys next week.